is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind if you dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Uh, some not so great news coming out of the UK here. Uh, we'll get to that. St- uh, get to a story about what they're planning on doing to photographers here in a little bit. But to start things out, Mark, you've had a story that you've been itching to get to here for a while. Well, the um, it must be it must be not a problem to take pictures in Great Britain because they have more than a million cameras up. Oh well, we'll see about that. I see. They've got plans. Well, how could they possibly hold you to a different standard than they hold themselves? Do you want to get to that right now? Because we can start with that. If oh, you want. I know. I'm just teasing. Okay. Um, <laughs> on with the uh, the story I've got here. This is uh, from uh, it's immig- immigrant.change.org. So uh, Barack Obama's website. Is it really? Change.org was, uh, you know, in- integral in, in his uh, election campaign. Oh, okay. Um, bilingual secretary fired for speaking Spanish to help parents. According to a recent report in the Charlotte Observer, Anna Ligia Mateo, a secretary for the Devonshire Elementary School in Charlotte, was fired for speaking Spanish to Spanish-speaking parents. Mateo, who hmm. was has since filed a lawsuit against the school district, claims that in 2008, Suzanne Gonzalez, and the new principal of the Devonshire, excuse me, um, Jimenez um, of the Devonshire uh, Elementary arrived and quickly instituted a no Spanish rule. Jimenez, who is not Hispanic herself but named um, but b- married to a Hispanic man, notified staff members that they were not to engage with parents in Spanish. And where is this? Devonshire uh, School District in North Carolina. North Carolina, okay. Yep. So English was the only means of verbal communication. After the rule was handed down, Mateo continued to speak Spanish to parents who had difficulties with English, both in person and on the phone. Mateo's lawsuit describes an instance where a parent arrived clearly distraught, claiming that her son had been sexually assaulted while at school. Mm. Yet, Jimenez prevented Mateo from translating for the parent, instead suggesting the woman's seven-year-old son could try to do the translating. <laughs> wow. Now, why is it exactly that the staff can't speak Spanish, but the child can can't translate for the Spanish speaker, but the child can? Well, yeah, that's a good question, because remember when I was at school, they told me there was no free speech. So, I mean, if they wanted to tell the kids they couldn't speak Spanish, I'm sure they could. Yep. On another occasion, Mateo reports that she was verbally abused after attempting to translate for a distraught parent shortly after she was given an ultimatum. Follow the policy of no Spanish speaking, or she could leave. Boy, no. how dare she try to be a helpful bureaucrat. Yeah. I mean, the bureaucrats, it's hard enough to get them to do anything uh, that is of any you know, sub- substance as far as help helpfulness. Uh, in this case, who knows how helpful she was actually being, but at least she was just attempting to communicate with these people. Yeah, I think it's it's it, it, it's a tough issue, this whole uh, national language issue. Um, is it a tough issue? Why? I, I think it's – well, I think that it – I think there's some murky areas to it. I don't think that I should have to pay – to print, uh, you know, every government form in 237 languages, including Urdu and, uh, you know, Tuktiak. Do they do that? I, I don't know what they do. I don't think so. How many government offices have you been to that have that many forms? I know that they have, uh, they have them. It doubles the cost of form printing just to print them in two languages, mm-hmm. right? Triples it to print them in three. So I don't think that I, as a taxpayer, should have to pay for that. No. However, I also think that in a free country, free people can speak whatever language that they want to speak. 
I think this government bureaucrat, um, you know, if it doesn't cost the taxpayer anything, they shouldn't be prevented from speaking Spanish. Do you know what I mean? Okay, well, I see what you're saying, Mark, uh, and I don't think that anybody should be forced to pay for anything, period. Uh, I think that uh, the schools should be run by the marketplace and there should be no government schools and then let each uh, market school decide how it wants to interact with its customers. But in this case, these are forced co- uh, customers. The uh, the people that we're talking about here... No, they're not. They don't have to send their kid there. They're forced to pay for the schools, so they're forced to be a customer of the school district. Indeed. So, so am I. Since they're forced to pay for them, then it would make sense that the government bureaucrats would have uh, the ability to interact with them. I don't see that as unreasonable. They are paying taxes uh, just as anybody else is to support those coercive government schools. In a lot of cases, um, the, the the taxes, the the parents that are actually receiving the the services, their taxes don't even go to cover their students' uh, enrollment in the school. It's the people that don't have kids whose kids That's are too true. old at this point. That so they're really the the system, the way it's fund, sucks off of the people that that don't benefit from the system. And I understand the customer should be able to interact with whom they wish in the manner that they wish, and that's what the free market's about. I think that yeah. also that uh, businesses should be able to interact with customers the way they wish, and when those things meet up, then that's a good thing. That's so all I have no problem if you want to print your Campbell's soup label in Spanish if you feel like right. you can sell it better that way. Right. I understand what you're saying. All I'm pointing out is that you're making it – your point was that, well, you don't want to pay taxes to print out a whole bunch of stuff. And my, what I'm saying to that is these people are paying enough money to where they can afford to uh, to print that stuff. I mean, no, most of the they, school they budget is going to a bureaucratic overhead as far as paying administrators hundreds of thousands of dollars That's a not year even, it's not to, push pencils, to push pencils around. I know that where I come from in Sarasota, Florida, there's an entire building – actually, here in Keene, New Hampshire, there's an entire building dedicated to school administrators. Sure. I mean, they don't. <laughs> I don't think you need nearly the administration, administration that they have. You can print all of the forms that they need to print for one year within the entire salary of one of those administrators. So, as far as bureaucratic spending Look, is concerned, if you're, if, this if seems you're to be suggesting the least of, that we that we um, knock off two administrators and then use some of the funds that would go to pay no. for those administrators, I'm fine for that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling I'm you for a net we're talking about a school. small. I'm, I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just telling you that. These people are paying taxes for the schools, so it makes sense that they would be able to interact with the organization they're forced to pay taxes and you, for. And we should back this up. Most schools are fun, funded through property taxes, right. and property and taxes are paid by rent. property owners, and property owners rent to people, and renters pay all the overhead, right. or you have what a bad a bad rental situation that won't last for long anyway, but right. renters do pay property taxes. I mean, to, to sit there and complain about forms being uh, printed in another language is really the least of the uh, bureaucratic concerns out there, it well, seems to I, I me. I think that it's wrong to fire this lady for trying to be helpful. I also don't think that um, – I, I think that it's a little unfair to, say, hire some uh, – you know, to, to make the hi- part of the hiring criteria that you must speak uh, Spanish and Wasn't English. was that part of the hiring, cr- hiring no, criteria? No, I'm just saying that, that that's oh. the next logical step when you say, okay, you can speak to the, sp- the parents that, well, you have to be able to speak Spanish to the parents. And then you have the next situation where a secretary – in the United States of America, has to be able to speak Spanish, English, French. Well, that's um, not what you know. Creole. I, I, I'm just saying yeah. that it's a slippery slope, right? When you're well, dealing I mean, with government, it's a slippery slope. Uh, yeah, okay, but there's no real evidence for that happening, right? What you're talking not about. today. Okay. 
Just saying uh, that, uh, you know, I think that in this case, this lady shouldn't have been fired. She should be able to provide the service when that service costs me nothing as a taxpayer. That's fine. When that service begins to to cost me something, I don't think there's any reason that I, as a person who, you know, chooses to speak English, even though I can speak Spanish in the United States of America, I shouldn't have to pay that. Do you think that uh, in the the instance that that you've got a, a school district where there are a significant portion of uh, Spanish-speaking parents and, and students, do you feel like it is appropriate to, if, for instance, you're hiring someone for a secretary job who will be interacting with the public, would it make more sense, presuming that the uh, the pay would be the same, to hire a bilingual uh, speaker? Would, th- would you would you agree with giving the bilingual speaker a job in that particular case over if it would, considering the same qualifications, else? except the one person is qualified with bilingual and the other person is not? Would they? Would you give them the job? If uh, all the qualifications were uh, the same and then somebody had a skill set that was beyond the other person, I likely would uh, hire the person with the, the um, higher skill set. But, but you wouldn't pay more for it? No. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think you should be able to. And, and likely these uh, things are, are set as the wages go anyway. Yeah. But um, that's you know here and there because I don't think that anybody should have to pay for anything that they don't want or need. Um, and in the that. same way that uh, if you and I went to Walmart and you decided to buy a light bulb and I got a grocery cart full of stuff, we all shouldn't be charged you know, $15 on the way out. That's not fair. Some people yeah. use more services than others. Those people should pay for those services. No if the service they need is Spanish translation, they should pay for that service. The toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. Of course, uh, in a true free market, none of this would be an issue because then parents could just send their kids to wherever right. schools have. I wouldn't be complaining about this. This is the private school. Right. They, w- they would be able to send their kids to whatever schools are providing them with the service that is right for them and their family. More coming up. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Thousands of years ago, from the time of Moses to the time of Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, and beyond, TrustedCoins.com brings you an incredible selection of authentic Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine ancient coins, all certified authentic by world-renowned numismatic expert, Ilya Zlobin. Transport yourself to the distant past now at TrustedCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you are invited to take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. Bring up anything. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those. And those features include archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They're yours right there on the front page of the site. And going back for an entire over a year in our podcast now, all the way back to the beginning of January of 2009, all free for you over at archives.freetalklive.com. And first imagine you live in an area controlled by a violent gang. What if you started using words like we and us when discussing the gang and their activities, even though you weren't in the gang? No one in the gang knew or cared about you, and a lot of the gang's activities actually hurt you and your family. Will this kind of thinking eventually lead to sympathy for the gang's activities or resistance to the idea that the gang was even doing anything wrong? What if a violent gang was able to develop a 12-year indoctrination system that encouraged this kind of thinking? Well, what if a violent gang already did? 
School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of government education and the worship of violent gangs. Visit SchoolSucksProject.com to learn more. That's SchoolSucksProject.com. And I understand that Brett, the uh, the guy who does the School Sucks Podcast, is going to be one of the speakers at the upcoming Liberty Forum. It's also my understanding, Mark, that you did a uh, Mark bonus interview thing, uh, Mark's interview series, with uh, Edgington Post inter- interview series, as you're calling That's what it. That's we're calling them, yeah. Uh, and I guess it's because they follow the show Post Edgington Post. No, it's a it's a bite. Uh, the, the the Huffington Post was a bite off the Washington Post, right? Because the Washington Post is kind of conservative thing. The Huffington Post is kind of a liberal thing. Yeah. And so the Edgington Post is kind of a liberty thing as a bite off of the Huffington Post. You get it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I get, I get it. Okay. It's clever. Trust me. Right. So uh, that's coming up after tonight's show. So if you're listening on the podcast, stay tuned for a whole lot about the Liberty Forum. Is that right? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a giant infomercial about the Liberty okay, Forum. Okay, great. Cool, cool. And uh, yeah, you can go learn more about the Liberty Forum over at freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. You can get signed up and use the FTL discount code to save yourself 10%. All right, 800-259-9231. Let's go to Jeremy in Alaska. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, guys. It's great to talk to you again. Jeremy, where are you calling from in Alaska? In Juneau. Oh, Juneau. Okay. I don't know if last, you heard the news. Last but... night I talked to those uh, crooked cops in Flathead County, you know, where John Stokes got his radio show, radio station shut down. Uh, okay. Up in uh, Montana? They're like uh, confiscating guns illegally there now. In Montana? Yeah. Who'd have thought? What? They they only do it to poor people though they well sure they they, they, rich people can promise. fight back rich they people can hire lawyers a, I'm sorry and go ahead oh no I was just gonna say that the reason they pick on poor people is because rich people can fight back with lawyers and things like that well I I found this awesome website that uh you learn how to make bullets cast your own bullets out mm. of old batteries you know the lead that's in old batteries. Wow, that sounds difficult. But, it sounds like a bad idea. That's not what I called to talk about. All right, what was it? What were you calling for? It, it was about, I have this real problem with the legal immigration right now. You do? Why? Well, because, like, um, my bell peppers aren't as smooth as they were last year. They they got <laughs> little blemishes on them. What, what does that have to do with the immigration? Well, it's, like illegal immigrants, you know, they grow a lot of our produce and stuff. And I'm just wondering if any of them are listening, you know, if they could take it a little easier on the bell peppers and the bananas, you know. And what does that to, mean? I, you're asking well, them to packaging, stop. you know, and packaging, bruised. shipping produce. These people are bruising his produce. Oh, I, I thought you were growing bell peppers or something like that. I, you're saying that. No, 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 no. You're, you're saying you're disappointed with the quality of the products that are available at the supermarket. Yes, sir. Mm. And I, I'm not complaining that there's illegal immigration. I'm saying if there's any of them listening out there, would they please take it a little easier on the produce? Thank you. Like, <laughs> you know, it's funny. That's funny. I don't know if it's actually the uh, the immigrants though that are. I mean, who are they putting in the actual picking factories? Are those also uh, immigrants? I have no idea. I because, don't know how you could. Um, you, it's a it's a blanket statement, so it well, must right. be well, untrue. Well, like in uh, Mexico and California, you know that that's where. A lot of us Northwesterners, mm-hmm. like in Alaska, get our produce. So really, your 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 gripe isn't with the immigrants who are picking the fruit. 
uh, or the veggies. It's with the people that are doing quality assurance, basically, because it's my understanding that when what happens typically is they'll pick a whole bunch of stuff and uh, then they'll basically bring truckloads of it to a factory. Well, no, the they barge it to uh, Juneau, Alaska, or fly it in because we don't have, you know, we're not connected to the mainland. Well, no, no, no. But what I was going to say is that when they when they're picking after they pick the fruit or the veggies, they then they take it to a factory nearby and then they process it to essentially take out the bad fruit. Uh, right. They you know they they go along an assembly line basically, and somebody is eyeballing all of that fruit, and they're right. looking for the for the stuff that's rotting, and they're looking for you know the the heavily bruised uh, items. So basically, your your gripe is with those quality assurance people, whoever they might be. Uh, right. And know, like uh, whoever the El Diablo Lobo or you know the El <laughs> Comandante or whoever it is. <laughs> I you have know. no idea what you're talking about, but it is amusing. Well, you me. know, like the Comandante, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Do you know, Mark? You know, like the man in charge. The manager? You know, the we, manager of the the food, food processing plant. This is a this is just a request. I'm not. You've got two issues here, yeah, Jeremy. You've got two issues. One with the quality assurance people at the actual plant that does the separating of the fruit and the packaging of the fruit for sale. Also, you've got another issue with possibility that this fruit, fruit may be being damaged on the sales floor. It may be uh, sloppy 14-year-old kids or 16-year-old kids that are working the stocking, you know, the stock jobs at uh, your local supermarket that are treating well, the fruit, as long fruit as poorly. they're not taking a dump in the field, I guess I can't gripe too much. Yeah, right? as long as it's keeping you uh, full, then I guess that is the most important thing. How yep. nice that, uh, that well, we actually have you know, access to As long to... as they don't poop in the field. Thank That's you, Jeremy, amazing. for the call. I appreciate hearing <laughs> from you at 800-259-9231. That's Potty. Potty the humor. SACL CAI toll-free line. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can bring up anything here. 800-259-9231. I have to say that's the that's a first. I've never heard uh, I've never heard anybody bring that one up. Like the, a complaint about the, the quality fruit, of the the condition of uh, of the fruit they're buying at the store. Where do you think it's more likely that it's getting damaged? Is it is it more likely that it's it's re- receiving the damage on the way to the factory for separation or between the factory and the sales floor? It's all speculation. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I don't know what's changed. I don't, I don't know that anything's changed. I would say that it's unlikely that you're going to be able to go to the grocery store and look at the display of fruits uh, or veggies and not find, uh, or, and, and find, and not find undamaged or undamaged fruit. Uh, you, they're all. It's your choice usually. I mean, unless you've got the bottom of the barrel then you can pick out typically what it is you're buying. So maybe Jeremy is the, at fault here for, for not looking closely enough. And if your grocery store is only stocking damaged fruit, then you should go and talk to the management. Oh, no, I think it's uh, Commander Devil, Devil uh, Wolf that is a- actually damaging the fruit. <laughs> Isn't that what uh, Commandante El Diablo Lobo maybe, or whatever maybe he, was he meant about uh, Darth uh, Darth Chad or whatever? Jim. What's his name? Darth- Chad Vader. Chad Vader. If you haven't seen that yet, you should YouTube. go and see it. Yeah. All right, more coming up. 800-259-9231. New photographing procedures for the UK coming up. And for the grand prize, why was marijuana made illegal? Uh, because it's a gateway drug. Because there's no medical value. Because it corrupts the youth. Uh, because drugs are bad, okay? Because it kills your brain cells. Uh, because it makes you dumb. 
because it makes you lazy. Because uh, it'll make boys grow boobs. Because uh, it threatens industry and Americans are a bunch of sheep. MarijuanaMuscle.com This is Free Talk Live, where you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. Freetalklive.com features. They're free, so enjoy those, including our wiki. Over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you. W-I-K-I wiki.freetalklive.com. Get interactive. Uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. That's what the readers of freedomsphoenix.com get every day. Readers of freedomsphoenix.com are constantly provided the detailed real news that lies between the lines of propaganda and the relationship that we have with coercive governments. Freedomsphoenix.com offers up-to-the-minute updates on the economy, technology, communications, and the rise of the police state. Go now to freedomsphoenix.com and sign up for their free daily dispatch. All right, we continue here. You are welcome to dial in, bring up whatever's on your mind uh, to the British Journal of Photography. Now, we've talked, uh, I would say fairly extensively, we've told uh, various different stories of news photographers and just amateur photographers, videographers, people who are just out and about in public in many cases with some sort of camera. It's easy now with the digital cameras the way they are. Yeah. Yeah, People people have taken pictures for years, and uh, it's only within the last decade that taking pictures in public has become a suspicious act. And, of course, the, if you're in a big city area or nearby a like a processing gas a fuel processing station, I think, as Will Buchanan was in the Train Walk stations. for Liberty, you know, any kind of uh, installation all of a sudden becomes an issue if you're taking pictures nearby. Uh, if you are out fr- outside of the Republican or na- uh, Democratic national conventions, uh, there's a good chance that you aren't allowed to be taking pictures. I mean, there's there's so many different stories of people who have just been going about their daily business of enjoying photography, whether for professional purposes or or hobby purposes, who've been harassed and arrested and and in some cases attacked uh, by police officers. We've seen evidence. Of course, in many cases, the video footage and uh, photographs make it out, uh, luckily, to where we can actually watch these uh, atrocities as they are uh, perpetrated on photographers. There was one guy that was uh, busted for taking pictures of trains. He was a train buff. Yep. Uh, there was, uh, you know, several different reporters that have gotten uh, popped. Guy down in Miami uh, was doing a report out in front of uh, high school. He wasn't even on the school campus, but he was ordered to cross the street. He didn't really want to because he was on a public sidewalk, and he was arrested for it. Uh, ended up losing his job down the line over over that issue because, well, the TV station didn't want to stand behind him and possibly lose their relationship with the police department. Yeah, what's uh, this freedom of the press crap needs to go? Of course, we, uh, re- I think we just this week talked about a story from Carlos Miller. Dot com, which is a great website for people to go to if they want to follow the latest on uh, the police oppressing people with cameras, video cameras, and still cameras. Uh, CarlosMiller.com is an excellent blog for that. This I was actually surprised that this wasn't coming from Carlos Miller. Uh, the British Journal of Photography says the relationship between photographers and police – now this is in the UK uh, – could worsen next month when new laws are introduced that allow for the arrest and imprisonment of anyone who takes pictures of officers – likely to be useful to a person committing or preparing an act of terrorism. Now, if you don't... Why is it useful to take pictures of police officers 
for terrorists. Well, now they now the way this is written is that the pictures are only illegal if they're likely to be useful to a person committing or preparing an act of terrorism, which of course means that they've got a a, way, a bit of a gray area in which they can work. So That's, that always works well with the government because they never expand to uh, um, you know to go beyond their mission. As it'll far really as gray yeah, areas go. It, it'll really just depend on who you are as far as who the photographer is and who the cop is. Right. Well, because uh, they could very easily claim that, well, any picture of a police officer could be used for terrorism. I mean, the, the terrorist might want to put that know, online. You know, suddenly it could be useful to a terrorist. The, the terrorist might want to know uh, what the cops are outfitted with. The terrorist might want to know what the cop uniform looks like. I mean, you could make all kinds of claims about why a terrorist might want to take a picture of a cop. So really, it'll like you're saying, it'll just be arbitrary. The police officer will see a photographer he doesn't like and decide to go after him uh, for that. So this is specifically about photographing the police. And again, if you don't think that this would happen here in the United States, you're not paying attention. So don't dismiss this story just because it's coming out of the U.K. In fact, it's a regular occurrence that photographing the police in the United States is a darn fine way to get your camera taken. So it's already basically illegal to uh, photograph the police in the United States. It just hasn't been codified. There's not an actual law that uh, that I know of, at least. There's not a, uh, a statute that they have created that that specifies it is illegal to take pictures of the police. That's what they're doing in the UK. When Carlos Miller from CarlosMiller.com got busted a few years ago, he was in the street. With his professional camera, he's a professional photographer, he was taking pictures of a car accident scene involving the police and, you know, doing their little car accident cleanup thing and interviewing witnesses and all that. He's just taking pictures of that, and they came up and they threatened him and they they arrested him for that. So just taking pictures of the police is already an illegal act. They'll just charge you with something like disorderly conduct. Now the charge might be terrorism. So it seems like it's getting a little more serious now. Well, I think they just throw this terrorism stuff in there in order to... It's justification. Uh, to, to make it, yeah, to make it sound that much worse. Because essentially all this is is taking a picture of a cop when a cop doesn't want you to. That's right. And not erasing it after you tell him to. Set to become law on 16th of February, the Counterterrorism Act of 2000... Oh, wow, this is an old story. This is actually from last year. Anyway, the Counterterrorism Act uh, amends the Terrorism Act of 2000 regarding offenses relating to is that that's kind of funny. They called one of them the Counterterrorism Act and the no. first one was the Terrorism Act. <laughs> so does the Counterterrorism Act actually counter, counter the, the Terrorism, Terrorism Act? Act? I don't think so, no. <laughs> anyway, regarding the offenses relating to information about members of the armed forces, a member of the intelligence services, or a police officer, the new set of rules under... So now it's um, not just police officers, it's intelligence officers and armed forces personnel? Uh, though this is a big act. Nice. So this this is one of the provisions in the who knows how many pages of, uh, of regulations. Too many. Statutes. The new set of rules says it will target anyone who elicits or attempts to elicit information about members of the armed forces, which is of a kind likely to be useful to a person committing or preparing an act of terrorism. So, so this, anything that you might write into a, write in a blog or anything you might put on the internet is is therefore use could be useful to a terrorist because you're making it available to them, right? Well, isn't eliciting attempting to uh, to obtain? Yeah. So anytime you attempt to obtain that information uh, for the what they would accuse you of as committing, uh, preparing for an act of terrorism or committing an act of terrorism, a person found guilty of this offense could be liable to imprisonment for up to 10 years and to a fine. 
The law is expected to increase the anti-terrorism powers used today by police officers to stop photographers, including press photographers, from taking pictures in public places. Who is to say that police officers won't abuse these powers, asks freelance photographer Justin Tallis, who was threatened by an officer last week. That couldn't happen. Tallis, a London-based photographer, was covering the anti-BBC protest on Saturday uh, when he was approached by a police officer. Tallis had just taken a picture of the officer, who then asked to see the picture. The photographer refused, arguing that, as a press photographer, he had a right to take pictures of police officers. And any reasonable person would agree with him. Well, um, I, I think that... Uh I think it's it's uh, you know just to say well I'm a member of the press you should you should uh, tell other photographers that aren't members of the press that they yeah. shouldn't be able to you know because uh, that's true this anybody that, should be able right. to take pictures right in the in the world of blogs and uh, you know message forums and things like that when when people get their information all over the internet now everybody's Everyone's a reporter as far as I'm concerned uh, no I agree with you they don't completely. need to be uh, they don't need to be employed by Rupert Murdoch to be a reporter and that's something the government is really upset about the government people are very upset. That now anybody be, can be considered a reporter because it means that they have to extend uh, certain privileges to uh, to everybody. Of course, they don't want to do that. Anyway, Talis uh, was – let's see. So according to him, the officer then tried to take the camera away. Before giving up, the officer said that Talis shouldn't have taken that photo. You were intimidating me. Shouldn't have taken that photo. You were intimidating me. The incident was caught on camera by – the one with the gun. A different <laughs> photojournalist. <laughs> But but isn't that the truth, though? I mean, Judge, uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano, who will be speaking at the upcoming Liberty Forum, I believe he co- coined the phrase that the camera is the new gun. He's at least the most front famous one who said it so far, so he was probably going to get credit. It, and this is a perfect example of that. The camera is what intimidated this police officer. 800-259-9231. Well, I'll use one of their lines. What you got to hide there, officer? More coming up. Bring up anything. There's more to this story. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Dial in toll free. 800-259-9231. Tonight it's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online. At freetalklive.com, we give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You like the show? You want to help support Free Talk Live? You can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So start your shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. Get the stuff you want, the stuff you need, and feel good because Free Talk Live is also benefiting. And you might be getting free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of the brand new products. But if you need to save a few extra bucks, you can also go used with amazon.freetalklive.com. We're going to get back to your calls here. I just want to share a few more thoughts from the British Journal of Photography reporting on a story actually discovered, even though I came across this today, and I don't recall where I saw it, uh, but the story is actually a little on the old side. So it's likely uh, to have already, this, these laws have uh, likely now already gone into effect over in the UK, where it is basically being now uh, made a crime for one to take pictures of police officers if the government determines that said pictures are, quote, likely to be useful to a person committing or preparing an act of terrorism, unquote. 
which pretty much means that anything they label as a any picture of a police officer could likely be labeled as that should they want to because it's just up to them. That's generally how they do it. The police officer, you know, now if they feel intimidated for whatever reason, they don't want their picture taken, they can say, that could be used by a terrorist. You could put that online and use that, and the terrorists could get a hold of that and use it. Um, You'll have to erase that now. And then, you know, they're going to, at that point, they have the power of law behind them, so they feel emboldened to do whatever the heck they want to do, including, you know, beat you with a stick until you give them the the camera, um, and and then they erase it. And then you can go to their bosses and say, hey, they were, you shouldn't have erased that, and the bosses say, oh, yeah, we're just doing their job. This is how we're interpreting it. Because that's what they do. They just back themselves up. One of the uh, journalists over there, incident, he got harassed by the police. Uh, the incident lasted just 10 seconds, but you don't expect a police officer to try to pull a camera from your neck, he told the British Journal. That incident came less than a week after it was revealed that an amateur photographer was stopped in Cleveland by police officers when taking pictures of ships. The photographer was asked if he had any terrorism connections and told that his details would be kept on file. A Cleveland police spokes bureaucrat explained as follows. If seen in suspicious circumstances, members of the public may well be approached by police officers and asked about their activities. Photography of buildings and areas from a public place is not an offense and is certainly not something the police wish to discourage. Oh, sure. Nevertheless, in order to verify a person's actions as being entirely innocent, police officers are expected to engage and seek clarification where appropriate. Oh, that means they feel free to harass you all they want mm-hmm. if you're taking pictures. And, of course, if they don't like you, uh, then maybe they won't be able to charge you with illegal photography, but they'll just come up with something else like disorderly conduct or some other nonsense uh, catch-all if they, charge. If they want to erase your picture off of your camera, what are you going to do about it? Really? You're going to take this to the British version of the Supreme Court yeah, in order right. to get your camera back from the from the yeah. void? Come on! It's gone, it's gone, and nobody's going to pursue it, and the cops have just been basically uh, been given the power to say you can stop anybody from taking pictures of anything you want, anytime you want. Good luck, boys. The statement echoes the Prime Minister's answer to a petition signed by more than 5,700 people. Gordon Brown reaffirmed last week the police have a legal right to restrict photography in public places. Quote, there are no legal restrictions on photography in public places. However, the law applies to photographers as it does to anybody else in a public place. So there may be situations in which the taking of photographs may cause or lead to public order situations or raise security considerations. Each situation will be different and it would be an operational matter for the officer concerned as to what action, if any, should be taken in respect of those taking photographs. Anybody with a concern about a specific incident should raise the matter with the chief constable of the relevant force. Because that's going to get you uh, justice, right? Talking to the the head bureaucrat mm. about how upset you are. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, let's see. Our friend Sam here in uh, Keene had his camera stolen from him when he was arrested by the police. His multi-thousand-dollar HD yeah. video this camera. This is not just some silly little camera. This is a, the big time. And they broke his camera, and he has not yet received it back. Post the trial. The trial happened back in September. Now, there seems to have been some movement on this now that he actually has taken it to the police chief and has made some noise about it uh, publicly. But, you know, he still hasn't gotten it back yet. That's how they operate. And they didn't make any move to try to get it back to him when he requested it back originally. So Possession is nine-tenths of the law. That's their camera. Yeah, and they are the law, right? Uh, December, freelance photographer Jess Hurd was detained for more than 45 minutes 
After she was stopped while covering the wedding of a couple married in Docklands, she was detained under Section 44 of the Terrorism Act. Her camera was forcefully removed from her, and while she showed her press card, three police officers insisted on viewing the footage she had taken. Tension between police officers and photographers isn't limited to the UK. Last week, Icelandic police fired pepper spray on photojournalists as they were covering protests in front of the country's parliament building. Press photographer in Iceland tells the BJP that he was targeted along with other press photographers, saying that the Icelandic police systematically tried to remove photographers by pepper spraying them. So there's just no end around the world to the incidents of photographers, both professional and amateur, being harassed by the police. And, of course, what do you do about this, right? I mean, if if they're putting people in jail cells for taking pictures, how do you deal with that? Right. Communication is the single biggest tool that people have against tyranny. And it doesn't matter whether it's in Iran or whether it's at the Democratic National Convention or the Republican National Convention or where it is. People need to be able to, in order to secure liberty, people need to be able to take pictures of their surroundings, of what the government's doing, uh, whatever. That's freedom. What could these government people possibly be doing that they're put in danger by pictures being taken? It sure is a convenient excuse to be able to use terrorism, isn't it? I mean, this is just the best possible of all circumstances. Because, There's always going to be scary people out right. there that want to, uh, you know, that, that want to kill somebody. Right. Well, because you know, if you look at some of the other boogeymen that the government has had in the past, like drug dealers or immigrants. Yeah, you can't really use those as excuses to ban cameras. So you might be taking pictures that would assist the drug dealers, or you might be taking pictures that would assist the uh, the immigrants. I mean, that you can't really. It doesn't gel, right? The, the, that excuse doesn't quite work. But when you trot out terrorists, then all of a sudden. That's a, well, okay then. You well, uh, clearly you need to be taking people's cameras. Right. I mean, the, there's terrorists out the there. The evidence is, in fact, that the terrorists. Um, here's what the evidence is: that the terrorists so far have mostly targeted civilians, not uh, government not the officials. Um, uh, the government what well, did target the Pentagon? Okay, right? uh, but but they killed far more people in the, the towers. The, the towers. True. So they're That's you know true. civilians more danger than government officials. Government officials uh, on a regular basis lose information. Um, so therefore the Government officials and all their cameras that they point at the citizenry are a bigger danger for terrorism than, in fact, the citizenry pointing cameras at the government officials. Right. And, of course, as you pointed out a little while back, the U.K., where this story comes from, is littered with uh, with cameras. Millions, literally millions of uh, closed-circuit television cameras mounted all across the cities in the, the, country, the country of uh, the United Kingdom. So it's all right if they record you, but you recording them. Well, that's terrorism. Let's go to your phone calls. Cameron is in D.C. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Cameron. Hey, guys. Hey, hey guys. How are you? What's on your mind tonight? Um, well, I wanted to call uh, about something not really related to this. I'm calling in about roads. Uh, you know, I don't know if you remember, a few weeks ago I called you about a ticket that I got outside of D.C. Maybe. Uh, um, circumstances? I, it, was a, it was a ticket I had been driving, apparently, in an HOV lane, a high occupancy Oh, TV yeah, yeah. It. Yeah, that one. It wasn't clearly marked. Well, I go to the, the trial next Tuesday, and I haven't really thought about how I'm going to handle it. But I was driving in D.C. today for my work. I don't live in D.C. I live outside of it, but I go to work there sometimes. And I was driving through, and it occurred to me how confusing this is. The last few days I've had to drive there um, in the morning. And I got there on Monday morning, or uh, last Friday morning. I forget what day it was. But some of the roads where the GPS says go right, the cops are stopped, and they're making people go left. They switch them up 
like during the morning to apparently help traffic flow. Yes. But the traffic flow is not helped. These are all, you know, everything's still backed up. And I used to agree. I think, Mark, you, you believe that the government should handle roads, correct? I think that it's, uh, if you know, if people are scared about issues like uh, roads and and cops and courts uh, as far as uh, the government, you know, you can't let the government, you can't let the free market handle those things. The government has to handle those things. I'm I'm willing to secede, secede those issues to those people okay. um, in the, you know, in the interim. I, I think there's a lot of places that it's a lot easier to show people that the that we can get the government out of there right right well i used to be you know on the i used to kind of agree with that but the last few days i've had driving i just you know they do all these things they engineer these things and they say this is the best way to build it and this is an hov lane and you can only drive here at this time and it just gums things up and it just gets very confusing and you think of all cities that they'd want to make easy to drive to outsiders you think washington dc would you know Foreign dignitaries, business people, you think of any city that they'd want it to make it easy to drive in, it'd be Washington. It's a nightmare. And it's just, it's a nightmare. It's terrible. I mean, it is just an absolute nightmare. And it's like the, the free market. I mean, there's, there's, I'm sure they could do better. And I'm not, Absolutely. I'm sure the government. I'll you tell know? you what, you, if you've got more, you're welcome to share it. Hang on. Yeah, that's, that's all, guys. Okay, well, thank you for the call. There. Thank you. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. In some cases, you can actually see free market roads next to, or, or free, more free roads in near Southern California. Roads. Yeah, and it does make a difference. How long can you hold your breath? <sighs> Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. Live. You can take control of the airwaves as we launch here into the second hour of the program. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Uh, so, to start things out here, coming up, we're going to get to something about the Muslim menace. Uh, Mark, you've got that you want to share. But quick update on our friends from the Motorhome Diaries. We spoke extensively of the Motorhome Diaries back in 2009 because that's when the Motorhome Diaries was uh, out and about on the road. It was a couple guys, two or three guys in a motorhome driving around the country, meeting up with liberty-minded people and enjoying themselves, socializing, uh, making uh, connections with people, and essentially going around and promoting the ideas of freedom with a huge motorhome with uh, liberty messages, including a Free Talk Live advertisement. Uh, and shooting a document- documentary. Yep. Uh, just bla- you know, driving around, getting the word out to people about freedom. It was a great uh, it was a really cool experience for them, and we got to follow it here on the show. And, of course, over at MotorhomeDiaries.com, it's all completely archived. You can go and you can uh, you can watch a lot of the footage that is going to end up making it into the di- you know to the actual uh, documentary that they're putting together. 
But there hasn't been too much news since, well, the, the trip's over. Uh, one of the more recent stories is that they're going to be auctioning the uh, uh, Marv, their, their, motorhome, uh, their motorhome off. So that's kind of fun. But this just posted uh, today on their website over at motorhomediaries.com that they intend to sue Jones County, Mississippi. Now, as was stated in their Freedom Watch interview last May and many times since Jason, Adam, and myself, this is Pete writing this, Pete, Pete Ayer, uh, are seeking to hold accountable those from the Jones County Sheriff's Department and the Mississippi Highway Safety Patrol that violated our rights on May 14th. As you may recall uh, from our coverage of this, they were arrested and held in a jail cell for many hours before liberty activists managed to uh, get together some money and uh, get somebody down there to, to help get them out of there. Yeah. But essentially, complete travesty. Yeah, essentially arrested on totally trumped up nonsense, uh, disorderly conduct kind of charges. And so they try, they went to court. They tried to fight well, it. The, and, and mostly what they were arrested for was uh, filming cops. Exactly. So it ties in what we were talking about last hour. Uh, yeah, because one, guys, one guys making a documentary about freedom and the crackdown of the police state were filming police officers and that stopped them yeah. for no reason other than driving a motor motor home, right? That's right. They had a temporary tag on or something like okay. that. But that's still not a reason to stop somebody. Uh, so there's more here. They they did go to court. They did not plead uh, take plea bargains. They were found guilty. And, of course, since they'd already been in jail and had already essentially given the state money to get out of jail, which is one of the problems with paying uh, paying bail is the state right. just takes your money. Well, yeah, but the other problem is staying in jail. Right. And then you can't get uh, good legal representation. Yeah, and, if you don't uh, have the activist network to back you up, it's not a good idea And there's no such thing as a sp- speedy trial in the United States anymore. I'm sorry. That's no. just a lie. So as they're going on here, as such, an, our awesome legal team recently submitted an intent to sue letter to the JCSD, that's the Jones County Sheriff's Department, the Mississippi Highway Safety Patrol, and the Chancery Clerk of Jones County. I say intent because Mississippi, uh, in Mississippi, it's mandated that those seeking to sue government entities must first inform them of their pending actions and then wait 120 days until actually, fi- excuse me, until actually filing the suit. So the government agency can do something about it. It's yes. nice that they are able to pass that law for themselves. I wonder if they do that for everybody. That's getting sued? Yeah. yeah. Ostensibly to give the government entity time to review it and decide how to proceed. Yesterday, the Laurel Leader Call, which serves Joan County and the surrounding area, reported on this legal action and issued a more exhaustive write-up today. To be fully transparent, we've uploaded the tort claim to uh, in its entirety, which you can view on their website at motorhomediaries.com. At the end, you'll notice motions to dismiss... For each of us, which are scheduled to be heard on March March 8th, they say they are confident that justice will prevail. I don't know if I share their confidence, but we'll keep an eye on things here and let you know how it goes. Al, I I hope for the best. I do. I I really, I hope for the best. I just don't know if I share their confidence, seeing as how we've observed how so-called justice has uh, worked out in the past, especially for activists. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. Oh, and we'll probably be talking to uh, Motorhome Diaries' Jason Talley here within the next uh, few weeks because the Liberty Caravan is set to kick off, I think, uh, not next – yeah, the very end of next week. I think they're launching on March 5th uh, from California, a whole caravan of folks coming here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Many of them, I believe, making a permanent move up here to New Hampshire, and some of them, uh, I, th- I think they're settling in different places. Some coming out to Keene, and others, I think, have decided to settle elsewhere. But uh, a whole bo- a bunch of people are 
are caravanning up, which I think is a really cool idea. It's the first time something like that has occurred on any kind of an official basis. I mean, Mark, you and uh, you and myself and uh, Julia kind of we had a little caravan. It was the two uh, two cars of ours that, yes. that came up together. But this is going to be a significant event. And in fact, LibertyCaravan.com is where it will be cataloged uh, and uh, talked about and reported upon. And I'm sure that we'll have some of the caravanners on this program to talk about their experience because they're going to be stopping off at various different places and, and again, making a making a real event out of it and, and recording things. And, and who knows, maybe they will be stopped by the police. I hope not. I don't wish that on anybody, but it seems like it happens. I mean, if yep. liberty if a liberty activist is driving somewhere across the country that kind of length, uh, th- they seem to be harassed by the police. The Motorhome Diaries got it. Uh, will Buchanan from the Walk for Liberty, who walked across the country, got it a couple times. And so it's like the longer you're on the road as a liberty activist, uh, the more likely it is something's going to happen to you. Of course, that's true for anybody, I suppose. But it's just it's more interesting watching a liberty activist. Uh, well, because they film it. Yeah, because they, <laughs> they pull out their cameras and they're not afraid. Or at least if they are afraid, they, uh, they, don't, they don't allow that to affect uh, whether or not they film the, the situation. So toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. Uh, Mark, tell me about the Muslim menace. Well, it's an article here from uh, L. Neil Smith, and I always think his are good, so uh, I, I read it. He's a libertarian it. sci-fi author. Yep. He's written several different types of books. But anyway. Oh, okay. Okay, maybe once a week, maybe oftener, I receive a material of some kind, published articles, recorded speeches, or simply messages from my friends and other concerned individuals warning that Western civilization is about to be overwhelmed by a Middle Eastern wave of destruction. Hmm. Do you get these? And thank goodness, no. No, I get them. I get them on a pretty regular basis. Um, you know, I'm on a few uh, sort of, you know, righty boards yeah, out you there. You hang out with those Republican guys. And, um, you know, I, I get a, a quite a bit of this stuff. Hmm. I mean, now and then I get it. And it, it just it drives me bananas. And I always respond to it. The latest contribution was a transcript of a speech delivered in 2008 by a Dutch politician named Virk Wilders to something uh, called the Houston Institute, an organization I urge my readers to look up, say, in Wikipedia. Quite frankly, examining the list of their founders and funders, I'd far rather be overrun by radical Islamo-fascists than by these people. Read Wilder's speech here at Snopes.com <laughs> and uh, about Hudson, the Hudson Institute here at uh, Wikipedia. Wilder's speech is short, full of stories about various European governments allowing themselves to be bullied by Muslim in- immigrants in a range of absurdities from not mentioning farming in public schools, because farms have pigs, offensive to the newcomers, um, to handling whole, handing whole neighborhoods over to their control, to officially recognizing Sharia religious laws, which were never voted on by anybody. And this is appearing at Snopes. Uh, that article appears at Snopes because it's full of just mis- misinformation and lies. Basically, well, usually that's the that's the case, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, you can almost always guarantee that uh, when when somebody's referencing Snopes, that the thing mm-hmm. that the, that's been referenced there is bullcrap. Right. But <laughs> so he launches into a bigoted diatribe in which he claims the that Islam isn't a genuine religion at all, the same way that <laughs> Clarence Thomas wasn't a genuine black person and Sarah Palin isn't a genuine woman. And those those claims were made. By the liberal left, um, all along, you know, in both cases, uh, that that Sarah Palin isn't really a woman because she doesn't represent feminist values. Hmm. Clarence Thomas isn't a real black man because he didn't have to deal with you know X that real black people have to deal with. I see. So um, you know that's that's their thing. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, 
Muslims would take some offense to someone claiming their religion isn't a real religion. Yep. But uh, anyway, I, and I, I would actually take offense to it. I'm not a Muslim, but I've, I've known uh, we've talked to enough of them on this program to where I'm pretty sure that they have some uh, very devout beliefs and they uh, yeah, that's an absolute it's absolutely a religion. So um, this Geert uh, Wilders guy, according to the Snopes, is, is real and his institution's real. But, uh, you know, we'll go on with the article. There's more to the story. The Muslim menace. 800-259-9231. I think Muslims are friendly folk. Ones I've met. You can bring up anything here. Take control of the airwaves. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free. The bulletin board system is there with over 500,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about. Serious issues, fun stuff, you'll find it all free over at bbs.freetalklive.com. bbs.freetalklive.com. Have you ever lost power? I did today, and I can tell you it is inconvenience for sure and maybe even debilitating. You know, I, I work from home. I couldn't even operate. I had to come here and hang out with you, Ian, and then hassle you for your day. Imagine I could uh, I could have flipped a switch and had solar uh, a solar backup system provide me with quiet power when I needed it. Fumes like noise or a gas from a gas generator and uh, fumes, it's not nearly um, it doesn't nearly have the maintenance of uh, a gas generator. You go to MySolarBackup.com. Now, check it out. You're the one who's responsible for providing for your family's safety. MySolarBackup.com. I can tell you I feel really uh, chastened reading that uh, particular piece of copy today. (laughs) I don't know that, uh, you know, out here in a a snowy winter in New Hampshire that the solar backup system would have worked, but maybe it would. It's been sunny the last few days. It's the right thing for some people. There's no doubt about that. So. Uh, and of course, as solar, I might be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. All right. So uh, we continue here with uh, the let's see the Muslim thing, and then we'll get right back into your phone calls. Mark, you've got the Muslim menace from El Neil Smith. Yep. So talking um, about these people that are every so often or daily or whatever sending him these scary emails about the Muslim horde that's ready to take over the world and run all over the country and turn everything into Sharia law and have a jihad and. Yep. Yeah, so just, he's I'm quoting this, uh, this this Geert Wilder guy from uh, the Hudson Institute. And a fear monger? Yeah, and he's uh, saying that, uh, in fact, Muslim, uh, you know, Muslim religion isn't a genuine religion anyway because it has, uh, you know, cultural aspects uh, to it. And because it brings a comprehensive worldview, including its own politics and social mores. Apparently, he's never heard of Catholicism. I'm not here to defend Islam or Catholicism, for that matter. As my readers know, I'm a lifelong atheist who regards all religions, as El Neil Smith, mm-hmm. as uh, equally ridiculous, equally destructive to the things that make us human. Not being involved in a religion of my own, I think, allows me to see a few truths that others may have more difficulty seeing. 
One of them is that Islam is a relatively young religion as these things go, a natural breeding ground for zealots, as what religion hasn't, um, hasn't been at one time or another in its history, and therefore given to certain excesses. In the day, Christianity had its brutal Spanish Inquisition, its massacre of 20,000 um, Albigensians in a single day. Uh, just kill them all, let God sort them out, uh, bring a bell. Mm. And its despicable book burnings from Florence to Tenochtitlan. In time, Christianity grew up, at least to a degree. Islam simply hasn't had that kind of time yet. Of course, there are the fanatics on both sides that will disagree with me. They represent one of the greatest evils of collectivism, an inability or malignant unwillingness to perceive individuals and individual differences among masses that one wishes to tar with the same brush. Right. Not every Muslim is a radical Muslim. Not every Christian is a radical uh, evangelical Christian. Right, because um, when you when you call this the war on radical um, Islam or Islamofascism or whatever term they use, how do you identify those people? It's an ideology. Yeah. They don't wear a uniform. How can you have a war on them? Wear turbans. <laughs> right. The ones no, that don't. the ones that are fanatical. Yeah, they don't wear turbans. Right. Sikhs do, and they're not Muslim at all. Um, but, you know, the ones that are fanatical, you can't tell from the regular ones. Anyway, a denial that every um, Khomeini, a, a denial that for every Khomeini out there, uh, have, there has to have been a hundred Mullah Nasruddins and um, for every Osama, a thousand Omar Kanams. I don't know who all these people are, these names. I'm sure that they're news stories that he's uh, researched. and You can go look them up. Startpage.com. Nobody in the Judeo-Christian West pays attention to anyone in the Muslim East but their um, several Nolas and their Cotton Mathers and their Pat Robinsons. We've been there. We've been here many times before. In one area, it was the immigrants from China, known in the tabloids as the Yellow Peril. Mm. In another, twice in fact, there was the Red Menace, mostly Eastern Europeans. At one point, it was the Italians with their trench coats, slouch hats, and long knives. At another, it was the Irish, shifty and lazy. Drunk. <laughs> right. In the late 20th century, California was the Vietnamese street gangs. And there are the ever-popular Mexicans and mm -hmm. others from south of the border. In the 19th century, it was the Catholics when it wasn't the Freemasons. Hmm. That's not to say that there aren't Muslims, the militants among them, who hate what they call the great Satan and wish to see it utterly destroyed. They have good reason. The individualistic, satisfaction-centered lifestyle that we've slowly and painfully constructed over the past thousand years is so immensely attractive that it constitutes a deadly threat to those who wish to control the lives of others. It's attractive, and, you know, so they are going to preach a, a, against that to some extent. But by constricting that individualistic and freedom-oriented lifestyle, you're letting those same people that, can, that uh, preach against it win. They're not the only ones who feel that way. Western civilization has enemies everywhere on the planet that um, fanatical collectivists of any stripe, communists, fascists, environmentalists, Gaia worshippers, fear its power to distract the victims that they would otherwise round up and herd towards whatever cliff they want their followers to jump over. I'm saying that George Bush has the right, after all, that the... Uh, Am I saying that George Bush was right after all the attacks on September 11, 2001 happened because they hate our freedom? Not if you're talking about the vast majority of people in the Middle East who left to themselves rather like Americans and wish that they could be friends. Not even if you're talking about Osama bin Laden, 
It wasn't his reason for attacking. No. His reason for attacking. He did, Osama bin Laden didn't say, I attacked them because I hate their freedoms no. or because of their, their uh, debaucherous what lifestyle. Nope, neither of those. It he was said, because of the meddling. Because, yeah, because of their, their support of Israel, which I don't think the United States should not only be supporting Israel, but any other country in the world. Right. United States citizens should not be responsible for funding other governments. That's what his upset was. And secondly, he didn't want the United States meddling in the business of uh, you know all the Middle Eastern countries. Right. And I don't see any reason we should have 700 military bases in 130 plus uh, nations across the planet. But you don't get that. You don't get that if you're just watching the mainstream or if you're listening to Rush Limbaugh. You know, if, yeah, yeah. If you're listening to one of the main uh, mainstream talk hosts out there, then yeah, it's they hate freedoms. But that's not the real story. The saddest, stupidest part of all this is that the military, political, and religious bullies of the area would never have been anything but a minor nuisance if Western governments, particularly that of the United States, hadn't give them, given them all the popular support they could wish for. The fact that we are over there meddling in their business, I'm not. killing uh, – the fact the United States uh, government is over there meddling in their business, uh, un- unfort- unwittingly killing their citizens, turns them, some of them, against us. It makes these people have validity. Sometimes it's not unwittingly. Sometimes it's absolutely wittingly where uh, they – remember the story where they raped and murdered a 14-year-old girl in Iraq? Happens. Yeah. How can you stop that from happening? Not go Obviously, there in the first place. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the one re- yeah. one way. Because that one guy, the, the guys that raped that girl, wouldn't have been over there if the United States military hadn't have brought them over there, given them a uniform, and said, go out there and make sure you you kill the bad guys, son. we got more coming up. Your calls as well. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything here. What we call it Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a webcam and a chat room all built into the same page. You can go to cam.freetalklive.com and you can watch and chat with other listeners of the program. cam.freetalklive.com. Dot com. Let's go, uh, before we continue with the Muslim menace story here, let's go to George listening in Ruston, Louisiana, to KBYO-FM. George, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Well, good evening, y'all. Howdy. What's on your mind? Um, I was just curious if we, could, if we could go back to when um, Saddam Hussein was still in control of Iraq. Okay. And uh, if you and Ian, you and Mark were to get on the radio and talk about your lack of freedom, how long would you have lasted in Iraq, you and Ian, you and Mark? And then if we go to going through Afghanistan, then we go through all the other countries over there, and then we go to Iran today. If you and, and Mark were on the radio over in Iran, how long do you think you would last? And who would you might call to come bail yourself out? What would you do if you couldn't go on with y'all's talk 
about the police and everything that's wrong. <laughs> is that ten questions and in I, a row? Everything, no, wait, no, 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 wait. Okay. Everything that's wrong with our country, if you couldn't go on and do all that in Iran today, well, do you, these Muslim folks that you talk about your friends, why do you reckon they left their country for? Did they leave their country because they had their roots there and they decided, well, hell, I'm just going to move. I'm going to go Muslims somewhere else. I think Why do you think they came to America for? I think they came to America. Now, now you. Hold on, George. No, no, George, no, I, know, no, I can see you're no, wound up. George, I ask, the, no, y'all want to control. You want to control the conversation. <laughs> You've asked no, 20 questions. You want to control the conversation. You want right. to get across your message. Do you want to get an answer? I believe in my freedom. I believe in my freedom. But yeah. this, the, this country is getting to the point with folks like y'all that want to complain about all oh, this is wrong and that's wrong and this is wrong and that's wrong. And, and you, 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 I have never, ever heard neither one of y'all talk about you would, you would stand up for your country. You would stand up for your if, – if somebody were to be going to harm your mama, your daddy, your brother, your sister, your daughter, your son, and you would stand up to that no matter what – no matter what, is or ain't, if you would talk about once in a while about the freedom that we enjoy in this country and give some kind of a little bit of credit to the folks that have, de- that have done that and have put up with the way the police is, put up with the way the military is, put up with the reasons why we went to wherever we went to, we can start back in World War One. <laughs> We was wrong to go there. George. I agree. Now y'all talk about it, and I'll be listening. Bye. Wait, don't you want to have a conversation? All right. No, he wanted to give it to you, Tribe, and that's fine. It's free talk live. I made some notes, though. So let's yeah. let's go back first to uh, what if you were on the radio in Iraq, Mark, when Saddam Hussein was in charge? Well, I think that um, you know one thing that George is saying is that, that uh, the United States is better than Iraq. I'll give you that. I think the United States is uh, probably, if it isn't the best country uh, to live in as far as freedom goes, it's one of the best. Top ten. Definitely top ten. I'd say top Hong five. Hong Kong's the best. Well, Hong Kong, you, you, what you're saying is is that Hong Kong's the best because of economic freedom. Economic freedoms, and those yeah. are the easiest ones to measure. I don't. I haven't been to Hong Kong. I don't know what their civil freedoms are like. It's true. I do know that number two on that list list is Singapore. Not so and, free. And, right. They're, they're very free economically, but if you spit gum on the sidewalk, they're going to beat you with a stick. Yeah. So um, I, I'd say United States probably top three. I, I don't know what the other ones are, but I'm, I, you know, I, I, know. I, I suspect it's it's I suspect it's a lot closer than a lot of Americans believe, though. So that's that's one point. Um, and, and so I, I do think that America is much better country than Iraq. And I'm sure that uh, Saddam Hussein would have probably killed me. I probably wouldn't have been on the radio in the first place. And if I was, I, yeah, wouldn't, I wouldn't have would've... been talking crap because <laughs> right. I would have been scared. And um, if I did talk crap, uh, then Saddam Hussein would have probably had me executed. Yeah. Okay. Fine. That doesn't mean that's like uh, that's like two uh, amputees comparing their amputations. The, the fact is, we have a country that stifles freedom to some extent, and it's people that complain about that. If you want to call it complaining, we do offer solutions. Um, it, it's people that complain that get things done. Squeaky wheels get grease. You know what I mean? So you right. can you can I suspect attribute just as much of your freedom in the United States of America to squeaky wheels all along for the last 200 and something years sure. 
as you can to the people that have fought wars all over the place. Because honestly, I'd like to discuss, I'll, I'll discuss with anybody whichever war they want to discuss about how it is that war protected freedom. Because I don't think very many of them have. Can we follow this line of thinking here to its extension? Because George asked the question, well... If you were being oppressed, your freedom, if you were in Iraq and your, your freedom of speech were being oppressed, then who would you look to to rescue you from that situation? Of course, the suggestion being that you would ask the United States federal government to come I wouldn't, in. And, if I was in Iraq, I wouldn't ask the United States federal government to come protect me in Iraq. I would try to get over to the United States or wherever it was that I felt that I could be most free. And you'd be kicked and out, And then of I'd course, be kicked out come. because of the stinking laws that, that yeah. don't allow people that, that want to be free to come here. Yes. So you're telling me this bastion of liberty kicks out people that want to be free they did it to the jews in the, the 19 uh, was it the late 1930, 30s yeah 38 or something yeah. like that they turned around a shipload of jews that all died in concentration camps compassionate yeah let me tell you. That, that's freedom for you uh, um, so so the the suggestion his suggestion was that you would look to the united states because well they want us there you know they they uh they want us to come over there and rescue them from the uh, the tyranny and you're right, Mark. I think that they, sh- you know, if they want to get out, they should, and they should be able to come here if they want to make a better life for themselves. That's all. That's all true. But what I don't want to see happen is, and I would, what I wouldn't want if I were in that situation is to threaten other people to extract money from them, to then use that money to send troops over to the country in which I would be living. To then bomb the hell out of the country and kill innocent people. Right. I mean, as far we're as talking I'm concerned, about violence, eclipsing violence, eclipsing violence here. Right. That's your wrong. freedom is your responsibility. I understand that people will try to take it away from you, but to look to someone else to protect you from your, uh, you know, from from whatever problems, whatever things are oppressing you, is kind of silly. I mean, if you look to the cops to save you, I'm not saying that they won't, but. Don't expect them to. There's the no United guarantees. States Supreme Court has ruled over and over again that the cops don't have any responsibility to protect you. It's true. If they did have responsibility to protect you, they'd be liable. Then they would, right. They'd be liable for it when your house got broken into. Have you ever heard of anybody getting a check cut to them by the local government because their house got broken into? Never. No. But imagine for a second if you hired a security company to protect your house and they said that they, they'll protect your house guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Then they'd have to write you a check or you could take them to court you don't have any guarantees so the only way the united states can go over into another country and do whatever military operations they're doing is if they're aggressing against the people that are in the so-called united states that's how the military is funded it's funded through aggression it's funded through confiscatory taxation and printing out money, which is also aggression because you're stealing money from uh, from you're stealing and, value from the money that people have, and that's that's not right. I mean, as right. somebody who loves freedom, I would never advocate that some uh, someone else be forced to provide me with freedom. And I'd also like to point out, it doesn't have to be that way. Militaries don't have to be funded by governments. And there's two great examples nice. in history, both the Mar- Armenian rebellion that came after shortly was is it shortly after World War II? You'll have to look I don't it up. Know. Armenians, look it up. Um, and uh, the I- I- Irish Republican Army. Both of them did fundraising right here in the good old US of A in order to have their little rebellions and they were successful in both cases. Why? Because the free market is more successful than government. Now, what was his point about not standing up for uh, for your loved ones? He was saying something. Right. About well, it. I think the idea is is that you don't love this country if you don't. Um, it, it's it's family, community, nation um, is the mm. the extension that your nation is an extension of your family. And uh, you know, poppycock. Right. The i uh, the idea that maybe maybe I would stand up and fight, and I don't know. 
I the don't only way know. The, the only way the nation is a extension of a, of a family is if it's your molesting uncle. I don't know if I would stand up if uh, the nation was, like, say, California was invaded or something like that. But if it was nearby, you know, there's a, a better chance that I would, just that I had to drive all the way across or whatever. But, um, you know, if, if my family was being harmed by someone, you're gosh darn right. I'd do what it would take to, to prevent that harm from will. happening. Of course. And that's why we've gotten together here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project to defend uh, the people we care about, other people that like freedom and everybody else. It's Free Talk Lot. Bring up anything. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line tonight in with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as three bucks a month. We'll take that money in, reinvest it into the program, get on more radio stations around the country, bring more internet listeners on board with the program, and expose new people to the ideas of freedom. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Join up. Three bucks a month. You can do it via PayPal or any major credit card or some alternative payment options. All of those are detailed at amp.freetalklive.com, and you'll get perks like the ac- access to the amp-only call-in lines, amp-only uh, commercial-free podcast, and more amp.freetalklive.com. Uh, so, Mark, what we've got here is this Muslim menace story that we're going to continue from L. Neil Smith. Is that on his website? Where is it coming from? Um, yeah, it's it's from the NC, L. Neil Smith site, ncc-1776.org. Terrible URL. <laughs> well, it's it works is that fine. Is a Star Trek thing? I think so. Yeah. It, like, sort of, but 1776 instead of... I see. Yeah. So let's continue here. He's talking about these uh, people that are constantly uh, just deluging his email box with uh, these Muslim scare stories, the idea that all the Muslims are evil and they're going to kill you. And he's talking about the the sort of uh, the the, the, the ten-pot dictators over there. He says the saddest, stupidest part of all this is that the military, political, and religious bullies of the area – would never have been anything but a minor nuisance if it hadn't been uh, for Western governments, particularly the United States. And as all you have to do is look at a timeline of United States involvement in the Middle East, and oh you'll see this is true. Decades. Right. It didn't start on 9-11, people. It started in 1930. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it hadn't given them all the popular support that they could wish for and fueled their aspirations for uh, at least the past century with mercantilist loot- looting, political interference, and most recently the needless murders of hundreds of thousands of Iraqi children, not to mention a pair of wars waged for the very lowest of mo- mo- motives. When I was in junior high, I had my first acquaintance with uh, racist neo-fascism in the form of some rude pamphlets somebody brought to school. What struck me, even at that age, was the odd and pathetic view that although white people were meant by God or somebody to rule the world, their mighty whiteness could be spoiled by the merest drop of non-white blood. A pretty damned fragile kind of supremacy, I thought. (laughs) Well, you still see the same thing now, but it's all about culture. 
Those who oppose immigration, legal, illegal, or both, frequently voice their fear that our American culture, which has swept the planet and which is uh, the very thing other people still like us for, might be deluded and lost if we were to let just one too many the people of the wrong shade or accent in. This, of course, is utter nonsense. Everybody, right. You know, when you you walk down the street, you sneeze, somebody's going to say, Gesundheit. That's because our culture has been deluded. If you, because it's a German word, right? You're gonna you're gonna walk into the burrito place and get a tasty burrito. It's because our culture has been deluded, and the Chinese food you might eat, yeah, the pizza you might eat. I mean, the great things about this country are, in fact, the way the culture has been deluded. Yeah. It's absolute utter nonsense. Everybody, I don't know about you, Mark, but when we were having our Chinese food for lunch today, I didn't feel like uh, my culture was being threatened by the nice young lady. I'll that tell was, you, the, the culture was absolutely being threatened when we had our lunch because I had sushi delivered to me by a Chinese person, and I find that d- disgusting. I no, you don't. Su- sushi's no, she's uh, very nice. A, a, a right, she was a very nice lady. Uh, sushi's a, a Japanese thing, but I she mean, she couldn't you know, speak very well. Everything's English, no, no, and nice. I'm very glad that she was out there working. Yeah. You know, the funniest part of the whole uh, whole meal was the um, the government mandated employees must wash hands <laughs> sign in the bathroom, <laughs> written in English, where a place where nobody speaks English is their first language. I mean, for God's sakes, they should mandate it's written in uh, Chinese there in a Chinese restaurant. Silly. Everybody wonders about the meaning of the passage in the dollar bill, Novus Ordum Seclorum, sometimes translated as a new secular order. If it means what I think it means, opinions vary, I'm for it. The secularization of American society means each of us is free to believe whatever it is he or she wishes, and that religious differences among us need not interfere with our everyday social and economic transactions. This simple idea quickly uh, generated the wealthiest, most powerful civilization in the history of mankind, and it will go on preserving that civilization through whatever future tribulations it's fated to experience just as long as we continue to respect and rely on that same maxim. The, re- the jihadists are a tiny minority at home, not as popular as most Westerners believe. Iran got stuck with the Ayatollahs the same way we got stuck with Obama. Hatred and disgust for the previous regime. And that was the Shah that the Americans instituted. Now people are getting tired of them. Absolutely, young people in Iran are sick of it. In Europe, they are, um, to Muslim immigrants, what the black hand was to Italians. Thugs who would have faded uh, from history if Congress hadn't hand them prohibition as a gift. We must not make that mistake a second time. Abroad, we can uh, take the wind out of the jihadist sails simply by compelling our government to leave everybody over there the hell alone. Trust trade and TV nice? eventually to heal the breach. People in the middle will uh, will force changes in their own governments exactly as the Russians did in theirs. Everybody loves jeans and rock and roll, people. Here, we must abolish political correctness once and for all. The world was better and safer when we were free to point out another's differences and laugh. I'm an Irishman. And he and thought who thought he was a Polak. You can start with me, as my friend and colleague <laughs> Albert Perez uh, points out. Everywhere in, the, in in this issue, America is not Europe. Americans are not Europeans. We told a king to go to hell and made it stick. We've been pushed around long enough, and by government gone insane. But we're beginning to push back. When you read Geert Wilder's speech, that's the guy from you know the the, the hate monger here. 
consider how many of the incidents he speak of would never have happened in any part of the United States where individuals assume responsibility for their own physical safety. We may still suffer a bit of thuggery here and there, Acorn, Barack Obama's uh, Praetorians, for example, but it loses most of its effect where instead of dialing 911, people reach for 1911A1. There's one compelling reason why, above all, as Americans and as human beings, we must see to it that the first ten amendments of the Constitution, the highest law of the land, commonly known as the Bill of Rights, is enforced energetically and stringently as the Founding Fathers intended, to any extent that our freedoms of consequences (laughs) is not fully protected by the First Amendment, it will be protected by the Second. So it sounds like he's still uh, of the, uh, the the government par- – let's save the federal government paradigm. Well, it, it, at the very least, he's uh, appealing to people that, that, yeah. that see that – That's uh, his audience. The, do- the, the document's great. Yeah. That, that, the, the Bill of Rights is a great well, document. It just failed. It doesn't have any teeth. The Bill of Rights, yeah, I guess. The Bill of Rights is certainly better than the Constitution, but – it just that unfortunately, that, you know, it, what it should have is the 11th Amendment that says any politician that violates these rules will be hung at high noon on Washington, D.C. Square. Well, I'd rather just see it all go away and uh, have 50 different... Uh, if, I'm just saying you, know, you can write a better governments. constitution. Yeah. I don't disagree that, that at this point you can't, because if you were to try to write a better constitution, matter, it'd be all over. Wait, right. It, what only matters, it doesn't matter what you write, clearly. I mean, because there's a lot of stuff written down there, as you say, that's very, doesn't very have any good. Teeth. Right. It does. Well, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a document. It's a piece of paper. Of course it doesn't have teeth. I mean, the, the New Hampshire Constitution is a very good document, too. But I doubt when I bring up in court coming up here in the next uh, couple months for the parking ticket that they're coming after me with, when I bring up the uh, the First Amendment, which is also very similar. To, the First Amendment of the New Hampshire Bill of Rights is very similar to uh, a phrase in the Declaration of Independence in the uh, uh, national government. And that is that government is by the consent of the governed. So when I bring that up and I point out that it's in their First Amendment, they'll likely just reject the Constitution from their courtroom. That's they've done that before. In fact, well, they, I, they they interpret it differently when they say the consent of oh, the governed. They mean the collective well, gov- the consent the no, collective was, consent of the clef- collective governed. There, there was actually a uh, the, the, one of the guys over at the Free Keen Forum at forum.freekeen.com has posted some audio from a trial that he went to recently in New Jersey, which he apparently surreptitiously recorded. And uh, in there, they basically told him that you can hear them actually admit the Constitution doesn't apply. Well, the Constitution doesn't apply in many courts because they're actually legislatively appointed courts. They don't. Ha- they they yeah. aren't. Um, you know. Well, that's courts. The Constitution. Uh, the, branch. That's just. That's all. My point here, Mark, yes. is that the Constitution is supposed to apply because it's supposedly the highest law in the right. land. It's supposed to apply to government agencies, and it doesn't. Seem the Constitution to. is what essentially is their rule set for their entire government. So to say that the Constitution doesn't apply is just throwing it right in the face of people and saying. That's a bunch of crap. This is just a document. We've got men with guns. F you. Pay up. <laughs> that's that's what that's that's the long and the short. That's of it. what it is. So you know, to uh, to El Neil Smith, that was a great uh, great article, and I support many of uh, the things that he said right up until the end, where he's talking about taking back the federal government. Are you kidding me? There is no chance that's going to happen. He didn't say take back the federal government. No, he just said to rely on the, the principles the country was founded yeah. on. The principle but in order to do that, you'd have to take back the federal government with people that care about those principles and care about the you know the Bill of Rights and that kind of thing. He doesn't live in the free state. He doesn't no. see the, the no, hope in No, he's not. He's in Arizona direction. or something, yeah. right? So, yeah, we need to get people like him, the, uh, the folks with the mouthpieces, to come here to New Hampshire, get active up here, and bring more people up here because this is where it's happening this is where the liberty movement is migrating toward 
And it should, because it's a good idea to get people of like mind together in the same place. Neat things start happening. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Your call's about whatever you want coming up. Have you ever lost power and wanted to simply flip a switch to get the lights back on? If so, this is going to be the most important message you will ever hear because there's never been a better time to get off the grid and generate your own supply of electrical power. Solar power generators are now available. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving electrical power when you need it the most. Unlike gas generators, a solar generator runs quietly, emits no fumes, and produces electricity from the sun. It's like having an electric power plant running quietly in your own home. Whether it's hurricanes, ice storms, brownouts, or blackouts, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. When the power goes out, you'll be ready with a solar power generator from Solutions from Science. Go to MySolarBackup.com to request a free information package today. That's MySolarBackup.com MySolarBackup.com or call 877-327-0365 That's 877-327-0365 This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the third hour of the show. You can bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free on the site. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for their websites. Enjoy ours on us at freetalklive.com. As we continue with your phone calls about what you want, it's Michael in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Michael. Michael, California. Well, you you guys succeeded in hurting my feeling again. Shoot, you hurt your feelings. Yeah, you hurt my feeling. Just, yeah, just was, one feeling. Be, yeah, well, that's all I have. If you came, to, if I was getting beat up in California, you wouldn't come here and protect me. It's a long drive. Yeah. Well, I know. And it, it, one of these days, I would like to be on your show. I want to be in the background and and be your laugh and clap because I'm glad we had this break because my teeth fell out. I was laughing so hard listening to you two. What were you laughing? What was so funny? You guys are just funny. I, I enjoy This is my favorite show. I'm glad I, I people find things on this show funny because I don't certainly don't try to be, and I don't consider yeah, myself very funny. Yeah, stiff as a board. <laughs> it's, it's, you, know, you know why? It's my favorite show because you're, you're both funny. You should be instead of comedy. Is that's where oh, you no. should go. And, no, and, no, no, no. <laughs> and and second, secondly, you actually allow people to talk. It always amazes me about people on talk radio. You know the old saying, if you don't want people to think you're ignorant, don't open your mouth and remove all doubt. Yeah, but it's, it's yeah, you can definitely let people dig their own graves uh, when they speak. That's yeah, for sure. And ostensibly, if you uh, don't want people to see your front teeth that are removed, don't smile. So, one thing I had to say: there, there seems to be a thread of discontent with religion at the time, especially Christianity. And I have a question for you. A threat of discontent with re- with religion, you mean on this program? Yes, yeah, I would say so. Okay, you mean spe- you mean specifically with, with, organized with religion, specifically Christianity? Um, well, which one's the atheist? Neither of us. Oh, you neither neither one of your atheists. I am formerly an atheist. So am I. Oh, you're formerly an atheist. Okay, well, it just let's say, say religion in general. But uh, I, the only thing I would say is... Well, wait, wait. When you say religion in general, you mean organized religion, right? Like big, yeah, re- yeah. monolithic kind of uh, large religions. Because both Mark and myself are, are Quakers, which is a religion. It's not a very okay. organized one. No. Yeah. I, I just think... Well, let me ask you a question in general. Okay, go. 
just for people who are against the Catholics or Christians or whatever, do you think it's any less ignorant for people to be um, punitive against religion without having the facts any more so than being a bigot? Can you ask that one more time? It's any less what against punitive? Okay, do you think it's you think it's any less a show of ignorance for people to be punitive towards religion when they don't have all the facts? And then, do you think it's any less of a crime than being a bigot? In other words, don't you think ignorance plays into the part of what people think about ignorance? I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that you're right, that you're essentially a bigot against, uh, you know, a particular religion if you have, you know, if you have it out against that religion. I think that bigotry has in it um, sort of the, in the definition somewhere, sort of a sort of ignorance, uh, you know, uh, aspect to it. Um, you know, it's it's hard it's hard to imagine intelligent bigots, right? Well, yeah, if they weren't ignorant about certain aspects of religions or other belief systems or you know the uh, different people of different colors and hairstyles or whatever they're bigoted against, if they weren't ignorant about it, they might come to the conclusion that hey, those are human beings just like me, and we're not really exactly. that different after all. No, and you know, it, it's the last time we talked to you guys, it was about we were talking about border control, and it was at the end of the segment at the end of the show where I was able to complete my conversation, but, you know, I'm a Christian, and I have, my grandson is three-quarters Hispanic, uh, my daughter's half Hispanic, and I fully believe they should be able to come over here and live a better life. Great. But on the same token, I think rules and order are something that should be taken into consideration, because if you don't have order, you have chaos. Mm. And there should be some type of. Well, I uh, think that the, I think you're right that if you don't have order, you have chaos. But I think that what the what the assumption you're jumping to is that this, the government can somehow provide order. And I would actually say to you that the government is the oh no. poorest organization to provide order to anything, and that spontaneous order is far more orderly. And and as an example, I'd like to show you the supermarket shelves. Um, no, if, I don't think the government can do anything. They could screw up a poop sandwich. Yeah, uh, right. And, and I mean, so that's the organization organization that when it comes to immigration, it is the default organization that people go to, to right. with the expectation that somehow they're going to solve the immigration well, problem, abs- right. and they are the poorest organization to do it. Absolutely. I mean, yep. there isn't really a problem in the absence of the government because it's the government that's giving out the welfare that is really the source of a lot of the complaints about immigrants. So the government is the source of the problem. The government is the source of chaos. The government is Absolutely. inherently chaotic because it's aggressing against people, and in imposing arbitrary demands on them at the threat of violence. In the absence of the the federal government, in the absence of some state government restrictions on immigration, then there's still order and there are still rules in that, well, there's private property. And private property has borders, too. Uh, so, you know, if you want to come here and rent my house from me, you have to agree to a certain set of rules. You have to agree to be orderly to some extent, even though the renters were cranking up the rock music earlier tonight. You guys couldn't hear that because luckily our microphones didn't pick it up. But, uh, you know, there are certain rules that, and those apply. And, and my, uh, the other tenants or the other uh, landlords on the same street might have different sets of rules. Some people might be bigots. How could they not? Some people, some landlords might be bigots and they may not want to rent to somebody who's got a different 
different skin color uh, of them from from them, and that they should be free to be bigots if uh, if that's what they want to do. I think they should be ostracized, and I think that uh, there should be some consequences for them amongst the, uh, the the community for that particular viewpoint. But I certainly don't think they should be coerced. Um, so I think the point here that I'd like to make in response is that there's plenty of order in the absence of uh, of a political one. I I agree with you totally. I, I don't need them. I don't need. To, they don't need them to protect me. No, they wouldn't get here in time anyway. No, they're not going to protect. In fact, you. in California, to protect yourself, you all go, either you all get shot or you all go to jail. So, you know, there just needs to be. I don't know what what the fix is. I don't know if there's ever going to be a fix, and well, it's it's. It's disheartening to see. The fix. Try, try to imagine a world where the federal government didn't uh, limit people coming to this country. Um, it didn't limit anything, uh, really. That the regu- they had to, they'd have to drop their regulations, the minimum wage rule, the the welfare rules, and all those other things. What would happen? It seems to me that a, lo- a great deal of people from Hispanic countries, despotic countries, where their where their governments do not af- afford them freedom, and and they do not uh, they haven't had the benefits that we've had uh, from you know the, the aspect of freedom, and therefore were able to to grow into the the most powerful nation the world has ever seen. Um, that they likely would would come here. They'd work very hard. They'd probably live in. Conditions that we would call squalor. They may very well, um, there, there may very well be, uh, you know, neighborhoods that would be ghettos, uh, you know, as there were at the turn of the last century for the immigrants, you know, that lived in conditions that we wouldn't consider to be, you know, we'd consider to be eyesores here. But I think that that's the very worst aspect of it that that you would likely see you'd have the freedom to live how you people would have the freedom to live how they wanted to live and they would have the freedom to grow their 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 family and their lives the way they wanted to and then their next generation just as the generations of immigrants in the past would be more wealthy and they would uh, you know they would all speak the language or most of them would um there there's deviance to that but the third generation almost entirely doesn't even speak the former language Mm -hmm. so it's the same way i can't speak german so I think the solution. Oh, well, Go have, ahead. They have, they have good food. <laughs> sure do. Thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The solution is simple. It's just sometimes simple things aren't always easy, right? I mean, the solution is to get, as you're saying, get rid of the federal government. I mean, you were talking about making so the government doesn't do certain things anymore. Well, if you can, if you can accomplish a rollback of the federal government, you also have the political uh, strength to secede or you know, accomplish the idea of, of getting out of the federal government entirely. And that would be the best way to deal with it, well, I as think. as far as I'm concerned, if, if uh, New Hampshire uh, seceded as a state, I would still want people to be able to come to this yes. state freely. I would not Open want to borders. keep out people from California or Massachusetts or New York, no matter how Absolutely. socialist they I might believe that they might vote or something like that. I wouldn't want to do that because I would want them to be able to come here and provide for their families the fruits of freedom and liberty. All right, more coming up here, 800 259 in fact, let's talk a little bit about the history of secession. There's more to it than just the Civil War. And there's Free Talk Live. We're coming up here at 800-259-9231, and you can bring up anything. Take control of the airwaves. Do you remember the old Libertarian Party back when it was centered around the non-aggression principle? The LP used to serve as an educational vehicle, turning the public on to liberty through the electoral process and bringing activists together to further their own understanding of the philosophy. It was also the main feeder organization for the larger movement. We want to bring that LP back. Join the Libertarian wing of the Libertarian Party and help restore the party of principle. Visit TakeBackTheLP.info. That's TakeBackTheLP.info. 
Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231, SACL CAI, toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. Features, free. Enjoy those, including, uh, let's see, we've got news updates. You can go and get signed up for either our emails at updates.freetalklive.com. Uh, you can go to Twitter and become one of the Twitterese. What do, what do you call someone who watches the Twitter account? Twits. A twit? <laughs> you can go to twitter.freetalklive.com, get on board there, and facebook.freetalklive.com to become a fan of our Facebook profile. Now, right now, uh, we are currently focusing on the updates list because, well, it's it's really the best way to guarantee that you get the message from us. I mean, Twitter and Facebook are a little more transient uh, in the way that they deliver things. If you aren't on the websites, you can't see what's happening. Whereas if uh, you're signed up for the updates list, as long as you're checking your email, you'll you'll get the latest from Free Talk Live. In fact, we've got a, a sword giveaway that we're going to be doing. So if you want to get on board with that possibility, you have to be on the updates list. You can go and get on all three of them, though, if you want, over at news.freetalklive.com. That's where we have them all listed for you. Easy to get on. News.freetalklive.com. And you hear the, uh, you know, on all the talk shows out there, you hear their encouragements to get gold. And, and actually, they don't mention silver much at all, although I'm of the opinion right now that silver is poised to do better than gold. In the, Silver's uh, cheaper. Yeah, I can afford next, silver. In the next decade. Um, anyway, uh, you know, you hear, you hear them talking about this stuff, and you always think, oh, gold, that's kind of for rich people. Free Talk yeah. Live has a program to get precious metals in your hands if you're the kind of person who, like I have been in my life, isn't really very good at uh, doing anything more than buying things. <laughs> here, here you go. It's a program of investment that allows you to buy something on a weekly or bi-weekly basis whenever you get your paycheck. All you have to do is call this number that I'm going to give you. Ask for the layaway plan. You can lay away, say, 25 coins. You can go look at the coins that I we have selected for Free Talk Live at gold.freetalklive.com some are gold some are silver you should probably get 25 of them which to me means silver if you're going to be using this plan I'm going to be talking about and we have uh, several choices over there we have the Lakota Nation silver rounds at the lowest price you're going to find them on the internet the Montana silver reserves at I can't. I haven't seen them any lower than that. Uh, Walking Liberty halves uh, and, and you know several other choices over there go check them out at gold.freetalklive, then call this number, 877-857-9938. 877-857-9938. And, uh, you know, in, invest in your future, your family's future. All right, 800-259-9231 is our number here. Since we were talking about secession, I've had this one sitting in my show prep pile for a bit. About the history of secession. Maybe a little more than you ever knew about secession. In fact, a lot more than I ever knew. I can tell you that. Jonathan Kolke over at LewRockwell.com writes, For the first time since the year 1860, secession appears to be a viable option, in part because all other arrangements for the operation of the American Union are deemed by many to have failed. However, let me offer some friendly advice to the secessionists among you. A survey of American history indicates that the prospect for success is minuscule, but don't be discouraged. Follow the sage advice that I'm about to impart, and your odds for success will improve dramatically. In fact, I can almost guarantee that if you adopt my deaf strategy, you'll have a fighting chance of accomplishing your goals. For starters, what do we already know about secession? Well, disgruntled New Englanders toyed with the notion back in 1814 near the end of the War of 1812, but the abrupt termination of the conflict with Britain removed the major irritant propelling secession, and so the movement, whatever its strength, simply evaporated. Nevertheless, this episode should have furnished a warning. After all, in 1814, the United States was only 38 years old as a nation, and the cement bonding the country hadn't yet hardened. 
hardened. The Great Plains and Western populace circa 1890, who waged a futile campaign for liberation against the Imperial East, occasionally broached the subject of secession, and southern states raised the issue while resisting the federally mandated civil rights movement of the late 1950s and 60s. Next, the late 1970s featured the so-called Sagebrush Rebellion out west, which dovetailed nicely with John Letboulier's Letboulier's diatribe against liberal eastern elites, Harvard Hates America. Clearly, the intellectual ground for modern-day secession had been laid by 1981, just in time for the publication of Joel Garreau's groundbreaking book, The Nine Nations of North America, a work that presented a convincing blueprint for the partition and reconfiguration, not just for the United States. Yeah, I, I saw this. They, they actually showed this us, to us in school. Really? Yeah, just the idea that it, it, it's interesting the way he cut up the nation. Mm-hmm. I think that there's, you know, there's something to be said, but talk about a pipe dream. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the idea that not only... <laughs> is the idea that somehow or another the states are going to cease to exist is even more ludicrous than the government ceasing to exist. So uh, it was a blueprint for the partition and reconfiguration not just for the United States, but for the entire North American continent as well. The 1990s provided concrete examples abroad of the more or less successful breakup of the Soviet Union in Czechoslovakia. And uh, the razor-thin rejection of Quebec secession from the rest of Canada in 1995... It was razor-thin. ...also provided a role model for Americans of such persuasion. For the French-speaking Canadians, regardless of the outcome of that particular referendum, had scored a major triumph by even holding the election and having extracted a commitment from the rest of Canada to swallow the results. Elsewhere, the specter of failed states, such as Somalia, Afghanistan, and Iraq, that should be by all accounts mercifully partitioned, also helped embolden American secessionists. Finally, by 2000, the prospect of an increasingly global world, that is, a world without borders, induced many Americans to adopt secession as a logical tribal countermeasure. Nonetheless, in a practical political sense, all these aforementioned efforts of secession failed to generate sufficient steam for a number of reasons. In particular, these movements became too closely associated in the American public's mind with a particular political party and its agenda, thus provoking strong antipathy from its assorted opponents. That brings us back to the secession crisis of 1860-61, to which came close to success. In fact, we can draw some useful lessons from that near-miss experience. Secession would probably have succeeded had not the Civil War intruded, for unlike other secession efforts, the movement to break up the Union in 1860-61 to was actually a nationwide effort, not confined to a single geographic region or political party. For instance, as historian Richard Hofstadter writes, Northern abolitionists were quite willing to let the South leave in peace. Indeed, anti-slavery radicals like William Lloyd Garrison, who had dramatically burned the slave-sanctioning United States Constitution in public— felt that the Union had been a moral failure and that only the moneyed interest schemed to keep the country intact. He was probably right. Meanwhile, while uh, Southern Secession loomed, New York City, led by colorful Mayor Fernando Wood, sought to separate from the uh, separate from the rump North and establish itself as an independent city state. Who can argue with that? I mean, really, who could argue with that? New except, York Secession. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Does, I mean, the people of New, the New York State do they really need the voters of New York City changing no. their their state? Uh, you know, they're so different. Yeah. They absolutely Upstate versus New York City. They yeah. absolutely shouldn't be the same state. Oh, Oh, except for all the taxes that the state government of New York gets from, from New, New York, York City. City. So the uh, the mayor set up uh, was interested in uh, seceding as an independent city state. 
For, for aside from disruption of its lucrative southern commerce, free trade New York City feared remaining trapped in a high-tariff north. A measure so revolutionary as secession could never have gotten off the ground unless at least some northerners had been willing to acquiesce, even even abet the cause. Yeah, right. Now, acquiesce? <laughs> I would kick him out the door. In actuality, secession was encouraged in part by the knowledge that there were fellow Democrats in the North, the Franklin Pierce-James Buchanan wing of the party that was so accustomed to appeasing the South that they might swallow secession, or they might take only half-hearted measures to suppress it. There's more here. We'll share it with you. The history of secession and how, well, they went wrong and how maybe we could go right with uh, the new secession movement. More coming up here. You can bring up anything. Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Carnation Evaporated Milk, the cooking milk that makes life richer. For rich and creamy recipes, visit us at thecookingmilk.com. We all have our roster of recipes, but eating the same dishes over and over becomes boring. Instead of throwing them out and starting from scratch, play with different ingredients to give new flavor to old standards. Try Thai spices instead of your usual Italian seasonings. That just might do the trick. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. We're talking secession again. 1-800- we love this topic. I do love this topic. 800-259-9231. I'm actually learning quite a bit here because uh, we're sharing something from LouRockwell.com, which is really going into the history of various different secession uh, movements that unfortunately didn't. most of them didn't secede. Or su- they didn't succeed in seceding. Indeed. Uh, so we'll get back to that here shortly. want to tell you about the Totasac, though. Go to totasac.com, T-O-T-A-S-A-K.com to learn more about the wonderful little handle that allows you to carry a whole bunch of stuff with one hand. And if you've got two Totasacs, then you can carry a whole bunch more stuff with both of your hands, as I do. When I bring the groceries back in from the car, the Totasacs make it possible for me to do it in one trip instead of having to go back out and uh, con- you know constantly have to here up here in uh, the north it's slushy out so you got to kick off all of the slush off yeah. your shoes each time you come back you got to take the boots off at the door take yeah. the stuff in yeah. uh, then come back and then step in the sort of wet spot that you right. took your boots off yeah it's a pain. pain so the totasack eases your pain t o t a s a k dot com made of 100% recycled materials right here in the United States we haven't done a, a giveaway during the week yet have we for a totasack this week no i think i want to do it uh, over the updates list rather than uh, on the radio tonight Ooh. Okay, okay. So if you want to get a Tota Sack, uh, we're going to be giving that away over the Free Talk Live updates list. Go to updates.freetalklive.com and we'll give away a two pack of the Tota Sack to you. That's correct. Uh, so updates.freetalklive.com. Now, we're sharing a story here from lourockwell.com and Jonathan Kolke, where he's talking about the history of secession. In fact, back in the, uh, the 1860s, he goes, he goes through a number of secessionist movements, not necessarily just the, uh, the southern secession of the, the 1860s, but that's what he's focusing on now. And indeed, when southern secession was looming, he points out that New York City was even uh, in discussions of leaving. In fact, they sought to separate out as its own independent city-state. Aside from the disruption of its lucrative southern commerce, free trade New York City feared trap, uh, remaining trapped in the high-tariff north. Indeed, a uh, measure so revolutionary as secession could never have gotten off the ground unless some northerners had been willing to acquiesce. In actuality, secession was encouraged in part by the knowledge that there were fellow Democrats in the north. 
and that were so accustomed to appeasing the South that they might swallow secession, or they might take only half-hearted measures to suppress it. In the final analysis, Southern secession looked like an ad hoc, spur-of-the-moment decision following Lincoln's election as president in the fall of 1860. As such, the South had neglected to take the necessary steps to prepare Northern public opinion adequately for the break. So in the end, despite the presence of some Northern allies, the South could not prevent the majority of Northerners from supporting, tacitly or otherwise, Lincoln's ambitious plans to invade the South and enforce complete with the federal laws. Of course, it probably didn't help them shooting at that fort. Yeah, shooting at the fort was the the worst thing they could do. Should have left Fort Sumter alone. Yeah. Uh, For good measure, Honest Abe had skillfully managed to change the issue from the oftentimes abstruse merits of secession to the simple defense of the Union. Meanwhile, the South was by no means united in support of secession, a factor that doubtless helped contribute to its eventual failure. The secession movement seems to have been composed primarily of Democrats and opposed by old-line Whigs and other assorted Unionists. One can identify the political factions at play in various state conventions called to decide the secession question. For instance, leading Georgia's respectable efforts to remain loyal to the Union was none other than Alexander Stevens, who several weeks later wound up being elected as Confederate vice president. And these secession opponents managed to hold Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Arkansas in the Union camp until after the outbreak of war. And even following the initial skirmish at Fort Sumter, pro-Union sentiment remained strong in the Upper South until Lincoln undercut Southern Unionists by issuing his ill-timed and highly inflammatory proclamation of rebellion. Curiously enough, although slavery is usually seen as the driving force behind the secession movement, many of the anti-secession unionists were among the largest plantation owners. And Confederates seems to have elected a Whig majority in their 1863 congressional elections, which soon bedeviled Democratic President Jefferson Davis. Finally, it appears that the Whigs took command in the southern states in 1865 in time to assure a smooth reintegration of the recalcitrant states back into the the Union. So they just didn't have uh, – first of all, it seems to me that there wasn't enough support. And uh, they were it, it was too big. I think the movement was too big. They were having all these different conventions to try to get the whole South to secede. It would make more sense to focus your efforts in one place. Yeah. If Florida had seceded, then, you know, what would have been like? Meanwhile, a strong comparison could be made between the secession movements and the prohibition movement. Prohibitionists somehow induced the nation to ratify the 18th Amendment in 1919 with overwhelming bipartisan support, a fact that helps explain why the current right-to-life movement, almost exclusively identified with the Republican Party, has failed to enact its controversial national agenda. So contemporary secessionists will only succeed fully when they garner widespread political and geographic support and avoid close association with any political party or ideology. Therefore, any secession movement must pay as much attention to the North as to the South and West. And rather than wasting time blasting the Puritan North as the source of all American dysfunction, as at least one LewRockwell.com contributor routinely does, would-be secessionists must devote all their energy to convincing Northerners that secession is also very much, uh, very much in their own best interest. In truth, the blue state folks also favor dismantling the Union. They just don't know it yet. Indeed, many blue staters speak wistfully of an American version of a European-style secular social democracy that would arise eventually once the South leaves, but they have no concrete plans for any disconnection. So in the absence of any such plans, why not supply them? Well, I would say that uh, the Vermont secession movement really has uh, their, their ducks in a row on this particular point. Yeah, the Vermont secessionist movement, at least to my mind, what I'm hearing uh, seems to be the most uh, mature secessionist movement in the nation. They focus... And, you know, Vermont entirely different than the rest of the nation. Yeah. It is a different place. Sure. I mean, New Hampshire is also a very different place as well. Indeed. 
so so with 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 Vermont folks, they do a real great job of focusing on because again they're they're trying to recruit Vermonters onto the idea of seceding. They don't have to worry about really anybody else, right? I don't think it really matters what the people in California think. Despite what this guy's saying here, I don't think it matters what the people in California think if the people in Vermont or New Hampshire decide they want to secede. That won't be really, an issue. Really, the question is, um, are the people in California and wherever in the United States willing to see Americans be killed by tanks in the streets if there is a peaceful secession? Seems unlikely. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like. Considering it. how many people have family and friends that are in different places in this country. Right, but I, I guess the question is, is could it be a peaceful secession if, the, uh, if, if for instance, the, the federal government doesn't recognize a secession, the state government does? Um, then the federal goons come in to say, hey, you haven't been paying your taxes. You're going away to jail now. You're going to have to build a lot of jails. Yeah, understood. But, the, but you know, do, what do you think the government of, of the state that decides to secede is going to do? They're going to use their goons to make it stop. So, mm. you know, it can't you can't have a peaceful state because a state is an organization with monopoly privilege yeah. on the use of violence. Be sure to make blue staters willing accomplices or co-conspirators, if you will. Of course, at present, the North has too much invested in the Union victory of 1865 and everything that followed accordingly, especially the civil rights crusade of the 1960s. The North is loath to abandon its heroic triumphs over Southern barbarism. In fact, it would be better for a secession movement to drop the term secession itself in favor of partition, a less historically charged word that denotes a clean break from which both sides would presumably benefit. It's an interesting suggestion. Well, we say independence. We've been talking about declaring independence, but uh, part, yeah, I'm just, I like new words. Partition. Not bad. Not bad. Naturally, red staters find this kowtowing more than a bit galling, and many relish the prospect of obtaining some payback for the humiliation suffered at the hands of the oftentimes insufferable Yankees. For such revenge, uh, fantasies are doubtless emotionally satisfying, but it's monumentally counterproductive. Since the goal today should be efficient secession, nothing more and nothing less, it's simply a huge mistake to demonize blue states and their inhabitants. And you can tell who he's targeting this to. He's targeting this to so-called red staters, which, of course, you and I, Mark, are neither. Uh, we don't uh, take, take those kind of sides. And most Americans don't. Uh, most Americans uh, don't consider themselves, at least uh, most listeners to talk radio, and most people I know don't consider themselves uh, one or the other. So it's it is I agree with his point though it's important to bring people from all political viewpoints on the side of secession to show them how it would benefit them that's how you have to do it you have to you have to show them the perks you have to sell the sizzle you have to give them uh, positive reasons as to how their lives will be better in the absence of the federal government and for somebody who is of, uh, you know, kind of the lefty persuasion, their lives would be better in a variety of different ways. You don't have the warmongering government going around the world doing yep. things. Um, From a righty uh, persuasion, you don't taxes. have to deal with the, what the blue states elect for a president. Yeah, and lower taxes. I mean, that's a big one for, uh, for righties, right? Yep. We're coming up here. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Toll free number 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll free line. 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. 
we give you the features for free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. By the way, a uh, quick word out to our board operator. Hopefully he's listening. Uh, we are dis- uh, disconnected on the instant messenger. So if people are holding, I have no idea. <laughs> so you know. Uh, so 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. We're talking about secession here, or as the writer of this uh, article over at lewrockwell.com puts uh, partitioning. It, he's calling it partitioning because, well, secession has all that baggage attached to it. And I he's am not a, wrong about that part. Right. I, and I am a fan of using words that don't have baggage attached to them. That's why I don't call myself a libertarian anymore. Anyway, he's he's kind of coming at this uh, story, which started out with a real kind of uh, history of some different secession movements in this country and, of course, uh, and around abroad. the world. And around the world. Uh, and he's now kind of talking about, uh, and, and I agree with his point in general, that you have to bring as many people from as many political uh, viewpoints on board with the idea of secession as possible in order to make it happen. And he does point out that it shouldn't be aligned with one particular political party. You shouldn't be able to look at a secession movement and say, ah, it's a bunch of Republicans or ah, it's a bunch of Democrats. Yep. Uh, and I completely agree with that. But one of the things he's coming at here uh, or one of the things he's he, – the positions he's coming from is he's kind of writing this towards Southerners for some reason as though Northerners aren't interested in secession these days. I mean it's Vermont that's got the hottest secession movement in the country and of course there are a handful of other places. I mean Hawaii. I mean that's not really a southern state. You know, uh, I was just looking uh, the other day at a, a map of the United States and um, you know, if you if you think about it – the United States is a very strange country. How many countries have a giant country in between them and another section? I it mean, is weird. Alaska, weird. Hawaii, weird. I Alaska's mean, huge, too. Right. <laughs> uh, Alaska, Alaska should be its own nation. Hawaii yeah. should, by all rights, have been uh, let go, the same as the Philippines and so many other, the, the tiny little islands that... Yeah. The United States conquered during World War II. Now, I'm not saying they conquered Hawaii during World War II. They took it from the British, who conquered it significantly before that. And you, if you go ask Hawaiian nationals, and many of them work for the government, but they still hold these these uh, the, these beliefs, is they were conquered. They want you to go away. Uh, they, they, and there's a big they, Alaskan they some term for, for white people there. but There's a fairly uh, ex- extensive Alaskan independence movement as well. Indeed. Uh, and, and, and there should be. There's no yeah. business. There's no reason. So, so, so he continues here. Any uh, abandon any residual trace of neo-Confederate baggage. Another reason to replace the loaded term secession with a better term partition. Instead, focus the debate on the successful breakup of the Soviet Empire, which uh, blue staters applauded, rather than rehash the failed American breakup of 1860 to uh, 65. For gosh uh, sake, stop lionizing John Calhoun and other anti-bellum secessionists. Don't bring up archaic doctrines of nullification or interposition. Stop romanticizing the past. It only insults the North, which thinks that the good old boys are trying once again to pull a fast one. I think he's doing a little bit, uh, a, a lot of collectivism here, calling North and South, you know, giving the North and South uh, personalities. I think that's kind of silly. Anyway, he says, if you personally uh, sport Dixie roots, don't hesitate to apologize for your slaveholding ancestors. Just because they were dead wrong on slavery doesn't morally compromise you today. Everybody is born with a clean slate, historically speaking. So make sure to distance yourself from the South's allegedly allegedly heroic lost cause. And speaking of Calhoun and other Southern statesmen, stop pretending that their high-sounding constitutional doctrines are anything more than an opportunistic fig leaf designed to cover the abominable institution of slavery. Acknowledge that the Southern regimes were basically illegitimate and embrace the stark conclusion of Wendell Phillips, the North's foremost abolitionist, that the Southern system resembled a pirate ship. 
Again, at the risk of repeating myself, the object is peaceful secession, not a violent showdown like that engulfing Russian Chechnya or Antria today. Yeah, Eritrea. Eritrea, excuse uh, me. The, yeah, these these are the uh, th- this is the the real foolishness is the rowdiness that gets uh, around it and all that st- that other stuff. Look, <laughs> going up against the United States government in a violent fashion is going to result in a bunch Suicide. of dead secessionists. And def- uh, efforts d- directed to rehabilitating the South's slave-owning crew will only muck up the process. Furthermore, stop claiming that by the 1850s the South was headed towards emancipation. For any society that could produce and embrace a writer like Virginian George Fitzhugh, the man who seriously argued that slavery was such a fantastic institution that the poor whites should also be enslaved, thus enjoying its evident benefits, was hardly headed for speedy <laughs> emancipation. And except that all pre-Civil War talk of abolishing slavery was iner- invariably coupled with ambitious plans to deport the newly freed blacks back to Africa or wherever, yeah. full citizenship was never deemed a viable option. And face that fact, face the fact that as late as 1938, Mississippi Senator Theo- Theodore Bilbo introduced legislation designed to facilitate the colonization of American blacks back to Africa. Finally, today's secessionists need to examine carefully the fate of Czechoslovakian reformers who failed in their attempts to break away from the Soviet Empire. The Czechs, led by Alexander Dubček, who had promoted the notion of socialism with a human face, appeared on the verge of regaining their national independence from their Kremlin masters. And unlike the swift Russian uh, invention to suppress the Hungarian revolt of 1956, the Soviet leaders initially moved cautiously regarding wayward Czechoslovakia. Chairman Leonard uh, Leonid Brezhnev and his Politburo cronies even traveled to Bratislava to engage in frank discussions with Czech leaders. And it was only when uh, Brezhnev and his colleagues returned to Moscow that the Kremlin hardline faction gained the upper hand and dispatched a military intervention to crush the incipient freedom movement. In hindsight, Dubček squandered an historic opportunity at the August 1968 Bratislava conference to disarm the Soviets with kindness. Dubček should have praised the Soviets profusely as our clear brothers who had unselfishly shed their blood to save the Czech people from Nazi slavery. The Czech leader should have cried out dramatically, We will never forget their sacrifice, and so we remain deeply indebted forever. We love our socialist brethren. Then, for good measure, Dubček should have burst into tears, walked over to Brezhnev, given him a bear hug, and planted a wet kiss on Leonid's mouth, worthy of the reception according, uh, accorded to re- returning Soviet cosmonauts. After such a demonstration of absolute loyalty, is Moscow really going to risk looking unappreciative by sending their tanks rumbling into Prague next week? I suspect not. Remember, politics is essentially theater. So I presume that based on that statement that uh, Dubček was really nasty to them rather that's than nice. what it sounds like I, I i wouldn't know nowadays american secessionists better yet it's hard enough to know american history let alone yeah. the rest of it better yet partitionists and their allies stand at the crossroads they will only accomplish their stated objective if they can craft a workable solution amenable to the united states as a whole they must strenuously resist the temptation to score points among the locals by bashing the blue states all in hopes of securing some short-term political advantage Rather, if they're actually serious about dissolving the Union, then they need to follow my advice by courting and disarming their erstwhile opponents. Otherwise, modern-day secessionists are just whistling Dixie. I think it's interesting, but I don't think – for instance, I believe that the one that, that what he's talking about here is Texas. I believe he's talking about the Texas secessionist movement, mm-hmm. um, and you know, they, uh, you know, th- it's a red state. There's no doubt about it. Texas yeah. – red, uh, um, and, and there's no changing that. So I do think that – I think that the only people that really matter when it comes to secession, as far as uh, getting them on board with the idea, are the people in the state. I absolutely agree I, with you. I do believe you should treat other people with kindness, sure. and, um, but I don't think that uh, – 
I think it's just the people in the state that count. I think you're absolutely right on that. Let's go to your phone calls. Jen in Washington. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jen. Hi. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, it's so good to talk. This is my first time calling in. Oh, thank and thanks for calling. I just love the show. Yeah, it's great. Um, actually, I was going to talk about something else, but then you guys started talking about secession. Sure. And um, which is a subject I really enjoy, too. Cool. Um, I'm actually taking a Civil War class right now, hmm. which is interesting, but at the same time, it's kind of um, hard for me because my teacher is a real Lincoln lover. Oh, boy. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes it kind of difficult. But um, you were talking about... Um, well, just trot out some of the just trot out some of the uh, the not so famous quotes about Lincoln supporting uh, slavery and see what the uh, the yeah. teacher has to if say about that. If you just get the book, Link- oh oh yeah, he he brought those up actually, but then he tried to you know kind of smooth it over and cover over it, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, you can't. I mean, that's he basically is it was displaying that he was you know uh, a racist. Yeah, and, everybody you know, was then. You know, I mean, it was just so yeah, common. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but I mean, you know, we look at him that he was that his only goal was to free the slaves, right. and that's the rhetoric that they like to use, and it wasn't. No, nope. and it's such a lie. So, yeah, that's actually I want to become a teacher, and that's one of the reasons is because there are so right, in right. history. So, Jen, what else did you want to talk about here? Because we're short on time. If you, you know, you're welcome to call in. At least uh, you can call once a night. So, if you've got more, you yeah. want to get out. Call us back tomorrow. But what else was on your mind? Oh, I was just going to bring up real quick um, that uh, I thought it was interesting when you brought up that the North wanted to actually um, secede as well. There were abolitionists in the North mm-hmm. because one of them was um, Frederick Douglass, who actually is a prominent African American abolitionist. Sure. So, actually, read one of his letters. That, um, talked about that. So. Oh, I didn't even Anyways. Know Jen, we're out of time yeah. for tonight. Call us back another time and uh, send your picture in for the Shrine of Female listeners when you get a chance. We'll, uh, we haven't had a, a, I don't think we've had a new Shriner since we launched the, Gosh, uh, the it's website. it's been a long time, yeah. Since we launched the website. So maybe you'll be the first. Hey, thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. And if you didn't get on tonight, uh, we'll get you tomorrow night. Call at the top of the show. See you then. Online in the meantime. Freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as three bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. Okay, it's uh, yet another edition of the Edgington Post, and today I have with me Chris Lawless, who's uh, well, the, the the grand poobah behind the the Liberty Forum. Chris, you there? I'm certainly here. Thanks for having me on. Ah, that cell phone sounds wonderful. <laughs> I love technology. The 3G network. <laughs> it's everywhere. Um, so <laughs> let's get right into talking about the Liberty Forum, Chris. Um, obviously, what what which which year is this? How many how many have you done now? Four. This is the fourth year of the Liberty Forum. This is the third year that I'm the Grand Poobah. Okay. Now um, we've been to—I think we've been to all of them. Um, I, I may be wrong on that, but I think so. And they—they yes. they yep. seem to—they seem to get bigger and bigger every year. Does that sound yeah, right? Uh, absolutely. The, we've seen the number of attendees, number of speakers every year has increased almost dramatically over the year. And we have buzz from longtime liberty activists saying it's the best event they've ever been to for liberty. And I think that's for a variety of reasons, is we're not the Libertarian Party, per se, or the 912 Club, or the Anarchy. We have lots of people from each camp. 
Yep. And that, I think, appeals to a lot of people. And the energy in the room, I think, is really what drives people back. It just so that weekend is so powerful. It just feels so great. Yeah, the, I, it, it tends to be sort of a, you know, people t- can get kind of cranky over who it is that uh, that sometimes, some of the speakers, because they'll be like, oh, he's not liberty enough. He doesn't like liberty in this area or something like that. And and I certainly feel that way when I look at some of the, um, you know, the speakers sometimes. But when I go, I don't feel it the same way. That that's a great point. I've actually had people complain. I mean, you name the speaker, and I've had someone complain about him. Sure. And that's happened all three years. But that you're absolutely right, Kirk. Once people get there, for one, if you don't like one speaker, don't go to that session. Yeah. And the other is, once you start getting to speak to some of these people, we've had speakers change their mind on topics. Right there. Regular, and I've, act, I've seen absolutely. it happen at the front of the room. Right there. People change their yeah, minds. It was, it was a, it's amazing how great intellectual discourse that, you know, most of these people have an open mind. They're willing to change their mind. So it's great for the speakers. It's also great for the attendees in that regard. Now, do you, um, I, I, I've got, of course, there's some that I'm excited about talking about, but we'll, we'll talk about uh, quite a few of them here. I don't know if we'll make it through the whole list, but I am interested in talking about them. But what do you think that people come to the Liberty Forum for? What do you think the reasons are? Uh, I would say there's probably three reasons and not in any particular order. One is they want to check out New Hampshire. Yep. That they're interested in the Free State Project, and they say, you know what, I really should go. And I think it's great for people to come in winter. You know yep. what, we have winter up here. It's not sugar-coated. You know, coming in Porkfest is great. But yeah. let's let them see what winter's like. Well, Porkfest, so, the weather's beautiful. Um, you know, the and the weather, we, we have snow in New Hampshire. We have, you know, we just today in the last 24 hours got something like 10 inches of snow. It happens. And, you know, it, it'd be a lie to tell anybody any differently. Exactly. So I think it's really great to have people up here in the winter, experience winter, and show them we live with it. You know, you're from Florida, you know, people, some things do stink about it, but, you know, we can deal with weather. Yep. I'd rather have and, and I'd rather have snow and liberty. Absolutely. Uh, and you know what I laugh now is the Mid-Atlantic has more snow than New Hampshire this year. I know what it's like to have sunshine and tyranny. I lived in Sarasota, Florida. You know, and I I don't want to over exaggerate it. Certainly there's more tyrannical places, but I you know what I want for my son, I saw the government was getting bigger and bigger and what I want for me and my family is to have made a difference or at least attempted to have made a difference when it comes to making government smaller. Yeah, absolutely. I moved from California and I got an immediate raise moving here for no income tax, no sales tax. So yeah. it was a no-brainer so in that regard. What are the other reasons people go? Some is, uh, the second reason I would say is for the speakers. Um, there are particular speakers that people have always wanted to see that don't speak that often, and they wanted to see them live. An example was uh, Stefan Molyneux from last year. Oh, God. He really hadn't speaking in public, and that blew me away last year. Uh, I was not expecting what I saw, and it, it was just incredible when he spoke. Yeah. He was he was so kind. He's such a kind yeah. man. His wife and my wife. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what my wife would have done if if his wife wasn't around to, to chat with and they talked babies and all that stuff. It was wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And then another person who I think was, was a real, you know, you, you hear about them, but seeing Glenn Jacobs speak, mm. I mean, you know, he's a powerful individual. Yep. Just, you know, mind and body. It, it was so those type of speakers. People come to see particular speakers. But then also, I think they they go to sessions they don't know much about the speaker, and they're like, "Wow, 
I should know more about this people, yep. this person. So there's a lot of those type of speakers, too. Um, Catherine Bleich is speaking. When I saw her talk at Porkfest, I went up to her afterwards and said, you're speaking at the Liberty Forum. Yeah, she's a dynamic, um, dynamic uh, woman. I, you know, I mean, I, the, the, the biggest problem I find with Catherine Bleich is that she's still in Missouri. But, um, you know, she is, she's amazing, amazing to see speak. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to see her speak. And then I would say the third reason that people come is is really for the energy, is to feel you are not alone. You can get to a place, and there's 300 people who may not agree with you on everything, but they're at least pointed in the same direction, and you don't have to explain what NAP or ZAP means. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a really important thing. Um, someone said it's like recharging your batteries for when you go out to fight the status. You know, Liberty Forum lets you feel like you're not alone. Yeah, so, it is. It's an amazing feeling of brotherhood amongst the the people there. Um, you know, it, 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 to to know that they believe in liberty in the same way you do, or at least similar yeah, ways. Yeah, it, absolutely. And that's you know, it's, so it, it's good for people to recharge their batteries, especially we hear about you know everything that goes bad on and on. It's you know, it's good for them to come to New Hampshire, see the victories we have, and see the defeats we have. You know, the setbacks, but how the setbacks don't stop us. You know, we just retrench and come back again. All right, let's talk about some of these speakers that people come to uh, come to see, and then uh, you know our listeners can grumble about how they're not liberty enough. Perfect. They right. can all email me. <laughs> what's what's that email? <laughs> Libertyforum at freestateproject.org. Okay. So Friday night's keynote speaker confirmed is Judge Andrew Napolitano. Um, he's uh, you know he he's the one from uh, Freedom Watch. So I mean, big big name, right? Absolutely big name, um, great speaker, great author. Um, I actually saw him in September, and right after his saw him talk, I said, how about coming to New Hampshire? He said, I'd love to. And he talked about how he goes, I've had some free staters on my uh, program. Yep. So he was very happy to, you know, to come up and he it wasn't very law hard to get him to speak come up to new hampshire so he was, that was really good to have him come up his his book constitutional crisis or constitutional chaos i'm not sure which one it was um is uh was pivotal for me uh you know in in the ideas of liberty and, and obviously everybody's had different milestones along the way but that was a big one for me yeah and i think also is uh, a nation of sheep is also a great it's a great title mm, it and, is and he also he reaches across to some of the more quote unquote conservatives and, you know, what I like to see of the liberty movement is cross-cultural. Like, we bring in conservatives to show them the liberty movement. You know, you can bring in the anti-war crowd from the liberal side, show them the liberty movement. Yeah. So I don't – when people complain about a speaker not being libertarian enough, I think it's good because we reach out to different segments that we might not normally have, have reached. Yep. And, you know, if you keep on going with the same slate of speakers, fewer and fewer people are going to come. That's just not the reason that they're, you know, if you take away the reason uh, for seeing the new speaker, then, you know, it's just not as exciting. Absolutely. And that's one of the things we try to do is not have a lot of repeats. Or if we do have a repeat or two, and we do have a couple this year, they have to talk on completely different topics. And so that's one of the things that when I talked to them, I said, you know, we try not to have repeats, but if you do come, I need a completely different topic, and they've agreed to that. Yep. That's great. Well, I, the only one I can see as a repeat is Angela Keaton, but, uh, but you know, just a guess. So, yeah, well, how can you not love the grandma of liberty, liberty activism? She's great. Um, she really is, and she comes. She's she's uh, you know she attends all the events, and I think you should have her there. <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. Cool. 
So let's go through this list here. Um, the uh, oh, I'm sorry. The the Saturday night's uh, keynote speaker, Representative Dan Itza, uh, prime sponsor of HCR six, which was the Independence State Rights uh, States Rights Bill uh, here in New Hampshire. Um, you know. Uh, the co-sponsor of the bill that would nullify the Patriot Act and require New Hampshire to use gold, gold and silver currency in the state education monopoly, exempt New Han- Hampshire gun manufacturers from federal regulation, has worked to restore the right of citizens to petition for redress of grievances. So very, uh, you know, pr- pretty pretty darn good as far as uh, liberty topics here in New Hampshire. I'm not going to give him an A, but I'll give him an A-. minus. Right. He absolutely, if, if you want to talk about New Hampshire Constitution, there's no better person to ask. Yeah. Um, he, so he and he's many people call him the father of the rebirth of the states' rights movement. Yeah, as we see, you know, it's happened all over the states. But his bill, H HCR six, was one of the first. Yep. So, all right, Radley Balco, um, senior editor for Reason Magazine, and uh, his blog is theagitator.com. Yeah, I, I love reading the Agitator, and I actually was trying to get him last year, and scheduling couldn't him. So I'm really looking forward to have him. Um, and I actually talked to someone from Reason a while ago, and they said, um, you know, they're g- glad that Reason could kind of be a part of the Liberty Forum. Yeah. So it's great to see them coming out a little bit more. His article, his anything he writes there at the Agitator, gritty, I think is the way to describe it. He's just really good. Yeah. Tom Baugh, I'm not fam- familiar with Tom. Tom Baugh um, has written a book called Starving the Monkeys. And okay. a friend of a friend told told me about this book. I got it, I read it, and this guy, he's one of us, He's, and it's all about how the efforts you do, you just can't let the monkeys, monkeys, another people call them commies or statists or that, okay. but it's the people who aren't the doers, but the takers. Yeah. And he talks about how to you know, live your life according to yours, and just don't give the monkeys the, the efforts they need. Um, I haven't seen him speak, but he writes, if he speaks like he writes, it's going to be a very interesting talk. Cool. Uh, Scott Beezer, uh, the guy from Big Head Press, he's a, he's a uh, artist and he's does uh, what Escape from Escape from Terra uh, and let's see what else are his things there. He's got uh, the uh, Odysseus, is it? Um, and right. and uh, Phoebus Crumb. So he's got several online comics that are amazing to see. You can see them at BigHeadPress.com. Yeah, absolutely, and he'll be bringing some of his uh, graphic novels to autograph. Ah. Um, I think, I think it's. I said, make sure you bring an extra suitcase because I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to snap those up really quick at the Liberty Forum. He's a kind and gentle man too. It's uh, it, it's nice to yeah. talk to him. So, of course, we mentioned Catherine Bleich. She's here on the list. Uh, Jen Coffey, National Coordinator of the uh, Second Amendment Sisters, and she is uh, elected to the New Hampshire State um, House of Rep- – they call it the General Court. Um, what uh, I don't know whether she's a free state or a friend of, free st- friend of the free state, but uh, what's she speaking on? She's, uh, she actually is a mover. Um, believe okay. it or not, I'm actually going to a meeting with her in like 10 minutes. Tell her I said but hi. She's, <laughs> she's, um, she's going to be speaking uh, – she has a, a law about knife rights. Um, oh. currently in the house and talking about how, you know, people call them dirks or switchblades, how they're bad. How are they bad? <laughs> As she's an EMT, she said there's many times where she needs a one-handed knife so she can do some cutting while her other hand's on the patient. Indeed. So she'll, she'll be speaking about that. She'll also be speaking about it as a woman legislator and a woman um, liberty activist. And she's, you know, she's all over the place in New Hampshire doing all sorts of stuff to further the cause of liberty. So it's 
it's great that she was elected, and I'm really glad that she's going to speak this year. I, 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 she's she's a nice lady too. Skip <laughs> Skip um, Koyel, founder of the Second Amendment March and author of seven books related to personal defense, Second Amendment activism. He's chief instructor and co-owner of Midwest Tactical Training. Not familiar with Skip. Yeah, Skip's um, but he's really well known in the West as a as a gun guy. Cool. And you know when we had the Million Mom March and the Million Man March. Yeah. And he was after the Heller decision. He was like, you know what? We need a million gun owners march. So he founded this thing called the Second Amendment March, which will be in April in Washington, D.C. So people are interested, you can uh, go to secondamendment.com, secondamendmentmarch.com. Mm-hmm. And um, well, I thought it'd be perfect timing as, you know, he's ramping up to have his march to come here to New Hampshire to talk about the march, but also to talk about gun rights as he sees them. You know, last year we had Dick Heller speak on that topic. Yeah. And I'd like to kind of get a good perspective one year later what this uh, noted, you know, he's written many books on guns. and kind of get what he thinks about this whole thing indeed um and uh to to satisfy my uh my nerdgasm here david d friedman uh became the leading figure in the anarcho-capitalist community with his book machinery of freedom he holds an ab from uh, harvard uh, university and a phd in physics from the university of chicago this guy uh this is the son of uh milton friedman and uh, father of patry friedman <laughs> and when I, I I just ended up talking to him at a convention at some point and didn't realize who I was speaking to, and you know I like we were talking about history. I do love to talk about history, but you know I'm I'm kind of a guy who's standing on the shore of the history pond. Uh, David Friedman understands all this stuff, and it was just amazing to talk to him. And uh, I highly recommend going to see uh, his speech when you're there at the Liberty Forum. Yeah. You know, I had always heard about him. I tried to get him to speak last year, couldn't get a hold of him. And then Patry, um, I got a hold of Patry about the Seastead uh, Institute. Yep. And Patry had a great time. Um, I had a great, I've had many great conversations with Patry about how free state and seasteading is not, they're not opposed. They're more of the same path. Mm-hmm. Um, he really liked the conference and he told his dad, you know, his dad said, he goes, you need to come to this. And Patry might come as well. Oh, that'd be great. So, yeah, so it's 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 great to see this you know this family with such long history and storied history in the liberty movement, and um, I'm, I'm I can't wait to see him as well. William Norman Grigg, uh, we've read so many of his articles on the air. Yeah, there's nothing really. I mean, that man is one is just a great writer, and one thing that upsets me is whenever I read his articles, it's just so clear the statism, right? And he just writes in such a powerful way, yeah. and I'm um, really looking to see him speak on Sunday. That's going to be a, a great um, speech. Yep. Jacob Hornberger, founder of the uh, uh, Freedom uh, Future of Freedom Foundation. I get his emails on a daily basis. Yeah, um, I've seen him speak before, um, and I thought it was great to get another, you know, kind of well-known figure to kind of cap out the weekend yeah. and talk about how we can do be activists, you know, it's great to come here for the weekend, but how do we take what we've learned and then put it forth in our lives? And he's, so he's going to be a great cap to the weekend. Yeah, he's um, you know he's such a practiced uh, libertarian speaker. I mean, you can you can see a you can come see a speech of a guy whose trade is to go out and give speeches for, to libertarian audiences, get people whipped up. Uh, I mean, nothing's going to top uh, the Ron Paul <laughs> speeches <laughs> at the Liberty Forum, but uh, Jacob Hornberger's a good try, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Charles Johnson, um, individualist anarchist writer and activist, founder of the Libertarian Alliance, uh, the Libertarian Left, and occasional columnist. 
I've heard of the libertarian left and I uh, think they're kind of interesting. So one of the critiques that I personally get all the time and sometimes the free staters get is we're too right libertarian, not left libertarian. I can't see. That, but, that sure isn't happening out here in Keene, man. I don't know where those people are living. <laughs> well, I remember, I, li- I live in the, near the status capital of Concord. Fine. But, let the, let the, the politicos go and do their stuff at the, the, cap, at the capital. I mean, that makes perfectly right. good sense. I, that, it is a completely unfounded accusation if people are saying that. Uh, I, I agree, but one of the things, that also, I mentioned how I try to balance the you know the different groups. Yes. The other thing I try to balance is there are politicians speaking, and we do know that some libertarians, you know, think that's aggression. So also, I try to balance it by having some agorists speak yeah. or some anarchists speak. Sure. And and that's why you know that's why I get the complaints from all the different areas. But at the same time, I'm trying to get speakers who appeal to all the different people and the uh, new alliance of the libertarian left. I've actually seen them. They're actually quite active in the liberty movement. I see them have tables everywhere. They have pamphlets. So it yep. was just another way to reach out to to that element of libertarianism that don't have that many speakers usually. I've had Charles uh, on my show before, and, and he's he's great. I think he'll do a good job. Yeah. Ernest Hancock, Liberty Dynamo, uh, the uh, the host of uh, the Republic's uh, Broadcasting Network's uh, – let's see. What is it? What's his show called? Declare Your Independence. It's right here. He is uh, an amazing man to, uh, to, what, to watch in action. Uh, the word dynamo comes to mind for yes, him. Yes, yes. Um, for those who aren't familiar with him, you know the word the Ron Paul revolution yeah, with the love backwards? That's him. That's him. Yeah. Um, I had actually met him during the campaign – here in New Hampshire, he flew out right before the election, and um, we had skipped emails, and then literally about three weeks ago, he said, hey, I want to come to New Hampshire, and I said, great, and I, we had a spot, and we plugged him in, so um, he's pretty good about whipping people into shape, too, and talking about liberty, and he has some friends here who've moved to New, uh, to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, so he's looking forward to visiting them, as well as speaking to all of us. Indeed. Thomas Knapp, publisher of the Rational Review News Digest, and uh, the senior analyst at the Center for a Stateless Society. I think stateless society says it all, right? I mean, <laughs> there's we, we, once again we're trying to reach out to the to the um, the anarchists. So, and that's the kind of thing is there'll be an anarchist speaker at the same time as a politico speaker, so people won't have to see the ones that they don't like. Yeah, there, I mean, there's, there's something for everybody at the Liberty Forum. Ad, absolutely, I mean, there truly is from from guns to drugs to legal cases to elections to agorism. There is something that reaches the whole spectrum of libertarianism. Members of the Liberty Caravan will be speaking about their journey from uh, the People's Socialist Republic of California to freedom. Yeah, it's actually a great story that you know they're going to drive from California and they're going to drive all the way out, hopefully picking up people as they go, mm-hmm. and then they're going to arrive here right the day before the uh, the Liberty Forum, and they're going to speak about that experience um, yep. on Saturday. Friday. And they're coming with Motorhome Diary guys, uh, Jason Talley and and uh, uh, you know those those fellows from the Motorhome Diaries. Absolutely, yep. Uh, Tom, Tom Mullen, um, author of Return to Common Sense: Reawakening the Liberty and the Inhabitants of America. Yeah, um, Tom was actually uh, in a punk band back in the eighties, ah. and now he's he's a the Skeptics. I don't know if you know them. I'm, I'm familiar. Um, but he's. You know, he wrote this book about the reawakening of the common sense, and um, he's a great speaker, very well knowledgeable about law and natural rights and the whole history of how humans and the English people claim to think of their rights and that whole movement and yeah. um, how we need to enforce that today. So he's written a book, 
He's going to be talking about, you know, that book. Got it. And uh, one that I'm definitely going to go see here is Thomas H. Naylor, co-founder of the Second Vermont Republic Independence Movement since 2003, uh, professor emeritus of economics at Duke University, where he taught uh, economics, management science, and uh, computer science for 30 years. Uh, yeah, actually, I'm really looking forward to this. And there's actually a reason it's not even listed. He wrote a book called Affluenza. Okay. I, I think I've heard of it, book, yeah. It was also made into a PBS special. Okay. And that book really affected me. I was living in California at the time, long before I was involved in politics and, you know, before I was awake. And that book was a real eye-opener about what we use. It's a great word, affluenza. Um, it talks about how we spend our wealth, what we decide to spend it on. And it's, it's also coming from the left side of yeah. libertarianism. It, it, so I'm looking forward to talk to him about that. And, you know, he's our upside-down neighbor, as I like to call the Vermont people. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, having him speak is, is going to be a real treat. And he's going to talk about secession. He's going to talk about, you know, why Vermont should lead that charge, that type of stuff. So I think they cool. should, please. Yeah. Pasha, Pasha Roberts is the uh, producer and director of Silver Sil- Circle. And uh, this was – was uh, the, it was a movie called Shermer's something or other prior to that. Um, Trumpeter's Gale. That's that's what it was, yeah. And it's a completely animated movie that he's putting together with a very libertarian theme. A- absolutely. It's, and, and not to give too much away, but it's about the Federal Reserve, and it's about silver. And um, I've actually had several conversations with Pasha. Um, I've met him at a couple conferences, and I saw his video, and I said, hey, you know, you need to come up to the Liberty Forum, and he's great, I want to speak. I said, perfect. So he's really looking forward to come up. Uh, he, know, he lives in Massachusetts. He knows there's a lot of libertarians here in New oh, Hampshire. Yes. yes, he knows. So, <laughs> um, he, he, he's he's going to be a, a big factor, I think. This movie hopefully will get some good traction in the liberty movement and hopefully beyond. Uh, and it looks really cool. He'll have clips of the movie to show. Yep. Stuart Rhodes, founder of uh, Oath Keepers. Yes. Um, I've had like three or four people email me and said, you need to have Stuart speak. He's the real deal, is what they told me. Cool. And I, I had known about Oath Keepers, but I'm not former military, so and I'm not police, so it's not in my realm. Yeah. And so I did some searching on him, some googling, and he's the real deal. He's, you know, he's out there trying to enforce to have law enforcement officers and military officers obey the Constitution, what they swear to uphold. So um, I'm really looking forward to that, and also I believe he's a Yale gad, uh, graduate. So him and Jason Sorens can hang out. There you go, <laughs> Shelly Shelly Roach, uh, the the Ron Paul girl. Shelly kind of needs no introduction. If anybody's been on Bite TV, she's also on Freedom Watch with Judge Napolitano, yep. and um, we have her bright and early on Saturday morning to wake people up. Excellent. And um, she's going to talk, you know, right where it is. She's also very involved with the organic crowd. Not I didn't say the organic crowd, but the anti Monsanto and the GMO. Mm-hmm. Um, movement for food, so she should be pretty interesting to hear, and I know that a lot of people follow her on YouTube, so right. she should be a good crowd for that. And, and I think that it, it that tends to show uh, you know, just how much the you know the crowd at the Liberty Forum kind of spans the gamut. Basically, all you have to do is believe in liberty in order to, <laughs> to be able to go, to go. I mean, there are going to be people there that, that are totally against the idea that you might in some way limit um, you know, the genetically modified uh, foods and all that stuff. So the people are on either sides of these issues. Uh, absolutely. Uh, there was one, we were trying to think of maybe having a debate about the whole 
theory of intellectual property. Should we have patents in that? Um, it just never came through, but that, you know, there are so many different facets of liberty and people who disagree, and it's great to see them have dinner together. That's what I love, is when you see people who probably don't agree, and then they have a great conversation at dinner, and then the people at their table are just soaking it up, saying, like, this is a great debate. So that's, you know, it's always fun to see that as well. Let me uh, run through the names here real quick, uh, because I've pretty much got to let you go now. Um, But uh, it's uh, Kenneth Royce, who's uh, Boston Tea Party. He's from Free State, Wyoming, coming to uh, speak again. Brad Spangler is director of the Center for a Stateless Society, proponent of agorism. Jason Talley, as uh, I mentioned, from the Motorhome Diaries. Kelly, help me out with the last name, Vlahos? Vlahos. Yeah, from uh, the American Conservative, although that's kind of a misleading uh, name for that magazine because the American Conservative is a very liberty magazine, a very liberty-oriented magazine. Right. And, and uh, she'll be speaking about the war. Good. Uh, Brett Venoy from uh, the School Sucks podcast. We advertise uh, them on the uh, on the show. Yeah, and that's you know it's great. We have again we have the whole spectrum. Yep. So. Very good. So if people want to go, the people have listened to this and they want to go to the Liberty Forum. Uh, what do they do? They go to freestateproject.org/libertyforum. Freestateproject.org/libertyforum. Buy your tickets now. We also have a fundraising dinner on Friday night where you can uh, have a small, intimate, It's a, you know, I wouldn't say that small, but there'll be less than 100 people in a room with Judge Napolitano for dinner. Mm. And then um, we have four meals included in the package deal. You, there's also a la carte options. And then on Thursday, we have a state house tour as well as gun shoots. If you've never shot a gun before, we have trained instructors who will help you you know, go through the paces on how to uh, shoot a firearm. Yes, Bill Campbell will. Um, <laughs> and uh, use code FTL to save 10 Is it 10%, $10 something? Correct. 10% if you use FTL when you check out. There you go. Thanks very much, Chris Lawless. All right. Thank you, Mark. Yep. Talk to you soon, brother. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.